Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, but you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, so these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, our actors n- did not have more than a day, maybe two, if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to, so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. I'm really excited for today's reading because it's Coriolanus, um, which for my money is the most underrated of all of Shakespeare's plays. Um, I've seen it a whole bunch of times. I've read it. I strongly feel that it should be, if not in the top tier, at least in that secondary tier with like Julius Caesar. Um, I, I think it's better than Othello. I think it's better than Macbeth, like all of the sort of like big marquee name Shakespeare's. I really think Coriolanus should be up there, but for whatever reason, it's just kind of remained anonymous within the canon. It's almost never produced. Well, it didn't used to be produced. There's been a few fairly major, not fairly major, extremely major productions in recent years. Um, Tom Hiddleston did one uh, with the Donmar Warehouse, and that sort of kicked it off. And then Stratford did a really popular one, um, Robert Lepage directed, starring Andre Sills, um, who you can hear in our Lear, King Lear reading, if you're interested. Um, yeah, and they've had, there was, I flew out to Vancouver last summer entirely to see Moya O'Connell play Coriolanus, because I love her, and it's a role very rarely played by a woman. 
Um, too many of Shakespeare's characters are uh, not given to women, uh, sort of ever. Um, but especially the warrior characters, it, it seems to be kind of really off limits, which, uh, you know, there are certain characters where I can buy that maybe, but Coriolanus, I think, actually is really interesting as a woman, which is not to say it's like Prospero, where I think usually it should be a woman. I think it makes a little bit more sense. Um, with Coriolanus specifically, I think that uh, it, it works either way, but depending on who you cast, it unlocks different elements of the text. And some of the things that I think come through really beautifully with a female Coriolanus are some of the themes of uh, political speech and the way that we evaluate our potential leaders, Um, especially sort of if you look at like the 2016 election or even the 2020 primaries, um, the way that the American Democratic nominees were picked apart um, the the female ones, uh, based on oh the, it's they said the wrong thing or even if they said the right thing they said it wrong we're dissecting their tone we're dissecting their clothes we're dissecting everything um, and really tearing them apart and they can't get away with anything um, and you know the, the the leap to oh that sounded hostile or oh you're being defensive or oh you're cold or you're this so much faster than with male politicians women have just a lot less rope and um, that's sort of one of the major things that happens in Coriolanus is this idea of this amazing warrior who is pushed towards a leadership position because of their uh, triumphs on the battlefield and then they just don't have the right temperament for it. They don't know how to parse their words. They don't know how to pretend they care about things they don't care about. Um, which, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that Coriolanus should be a politician, but it's the fact that it's these things that are their downfall that I find particularly interesting when played by a woman, this idea of like, it's not just that it's not necessarily that they'd be a bad leader so much as that they are a bad politician. They can't get elected. Um, so that's really interesting. I also think, you know, it's such a beautiful play. It's about mercy and love and respect and all sorts of just fascinating things. The relationship between Coriolanus and Ophidius is one of the most interesting in the whole canon. Um, I just, it's just a, it's a wonderful play. Volumnia is one of the great female roles in the canon. It's just, it's, there's a lot going for it. The tribunes are fun. So uh, what we did with this one was we cast a female Coriolanus, um, as you can tell based on my doing that whole little speech for you just now. Um, my friend Fabi from the BU Shakespeare Society came in to do it, and I love her. Um, I specifically wanted a woman who is a really physical, sort of intimidating presence to really emphasize that warrior aspect. And so Fabi is like a black belt in karate. Like, she could kill you um, with her finger. She wouldn't because she's lovely, but she could. Um, and so we brought her in to do Coriolanus. She had appeared in, in Henry the fourth part two, but she otherwise hadn't done any of these readings. So it was really fun to have her back. Um, and then Loren Hereda is our Ophidius who is just, I was thinking through, I also wanted a female Ophidius cause I like when they're sort of really matched those two and they're really mirrors of each other. 
Um, and I just think Lorenz the bee's knees. I just, she's one of my favorite actresses and she's particularly great in like really fierce roles. Um, looking back over Corona cold reads, I've cast her in a lot, as a lot of angry people, um, which is a coincidence. She's not an angry person, but she just, I, I really love her in a fierce role. I think she's really, really effective. Um, so she's an extraordinary Phidias. Uh, then we have Scott Garland and Andrew Patty as a very sort of, um, they don't actually know each other, but a very well-matched pair as the tribunes. Um, yeah. And then obviously Shailen McFall plays Volumnia and she's just, man, Shailen McFall. I always give her these long speeches just because I love to listen to her say Shakespeare words. She's just a magical creature. Um, yeah. So Corey Lanus, fascinating play. I, I maybe give it a Google before you listen, just cause it is a, a somewhat complicated play and the names are hard to keep track of who's who. Um, everybody has these complicated Roman names. As you will hear in the recording, I stumble over them almost every single entrance. Um, but it's a it's a fascinating play, really beautifully written, really complex on a them- thematic level, um, which is my favorite thing. Uh, yeah, give it a shot. I, I love Coriolanus. It's it's just it should be more beloved than it is, and so become one of the cool kids who, when asked what your favorite Shakespeare play is, it's something off the beaten track like Coriolanus. Tragedy of Coriolanus, Act 1, Scene 1, Rome, a street, enter a company of mutinous citizens with staves, clubs, and other weapons. Uh, As who is first Before citizen? we proceed any further, hear me speak. Speak, speak, speak. speak. You are all resolved rather to die than to famish? Resolved. Resolved. First, you know Caius Marcius is chief enemy to the people. We know it. We know it. Let us kill him, and we'll have corn at our own price. It's a verdict. No more talking. On it. Let it be done. Away. Away. Oh, we. One word, good citizens. We are accounted poor citizens. The, pa- the patricians good. What authority surfeits on would relieve us if they would yield us, but by but the sur- superfluity. Well, it were wholesome, we might guess they relieved us humanly, but they think we are too dear. The leanness that afflicts us, the object of our misery is as an inventory to particularize their abundance. Our sufferance is a gain to them. Lest, let us revenge this with our pikes, ere we become rakes. For the gods know I speak this in hunger for bread, not in thirst for revenge. Would you proceed especially against Caius Martius? Against him first. He's a very dog to the commonality. Consider you what services he has done for his country. Very well, and could be content to give him good report for it, but that he pays himself with being proud. Nay, but speak not maliciously. I say unto you, what he hath done famously, he did it to that end, though soft-conscienced men can be content to say it was for his country, he did it to please his mother, and to be partly proud, which he is, even till the altitude of his virtue. (laughs) What he cannot help in his nature, you account a vice in him. You must in no way say he is covetous. If I must not, I need not be barren of accusations. He hath faults with surplus to tire and repetition. What shouts are these? The other side of the city is risen. Why stay we prating here to the capital? Um, um, 
Loft, who comes here? Enter Menenius Agrippa. Worthy Menenius Agrippa, one that had always loved the people. He's one honest enough, would all the rest were so. What works, my countrymen in hand? Where go you with bats and clubs? The matter, speak, I pray you. Our business is not unknown to the Senate. They have an inkling this fortnight what we intend to do, which now will show them in deeds. They say poor suitors have strong breasts. They shall know we have strong arms too. Why, masters, my good friends, mine honest neighbors, will you undo yourselves? We cannot, sir. We are undone already. I tell you, friends, most charitable care have the patricians of you. For your wants, your sufferings in the dearth, you may as well strike at heaven with your staves as lift them against the Roman state, whose course will, on the way it takes, cracking 10,000 curbs of more strong link asunder than ever appear in your impediments. For the dearth, the gods, not the patricians, make it, and your knees to them, not arms, must help. Alack, you are transported by calamity. Thither, where more attends you, and you slander the helms of the state who care for you like fathers when you curse them as enemies. Care for us? True, indeed. They never cared for us yet. Suffer us to famish in their storehouses crammed with grain, make edicts for usury to support usurers, repeal daily any wholesome act established against the rich, and provide more piercing statues, statutes daily to chain up and restrain the poor. If the wars eat us not up, they, they will. And there's all the love they bear us. Either you must confess yourselves wondrous malicious or be accused of folly. <laughs> I shall tell you a pretty tale. It may be you have heard it, but since it serves my purpose, I will venture to stale it a little more. Well, I'll hear it, sir. Yet you must not think to fob, us of, uh, fob off our disgrace with a tale. But, Aunt, please you, deliver it. There was a time when all the body's members rebelled against the belly, thus accused it, that only like a gulf did it remain in the midst of the body, idle and unactive, still cupboarding the viand, never bearing like labor with the rest, where the other instruments did see and hear, devise, instruct, walk, feel, and mutually participate, did minister unto the appetite and affection uncommon of the whole body. The belly answered, Well... Sir, what answer made the belly? Sir, I shall tell you, with a kind of smile, for ne'er came from the lungs, but even thus. For look you, I may make the belly smile as well as speak. It tauntingly replied to the discontented members, the mutinous parts that envied his receipt, even most fitly as you malign our senators, for that they are not such as you. The be- your belly's answer? What? The kingly crowned head, the vigilant eye, the counselor's heart, the arm, our soldier, our steed, the leg, the tongue, our trumpeter, with other muniments and petty helps, is in the, this our fabric, if that they... What then? For me, this fellow speaks. What then? What then? Should by the coromant belly be restrained, who is the sink of the body? Well, what then? The former agents, if they did complain, what could the belly answer? I will tell you, if you'll bestow a small of what you have little patience a while, you'll hear the belly's answer. Year long about it. Note me, good friend. Your most grave belly was deliberate, not rash like his accusers, and thus answered. 
True it is, my incorporate friends, quoth he, that I receive the general food at first, which you do live upon, and fit it is because I am the storehouse and the shop of the whole body. But if you do remember, I send it through the rivers of your blood, even to the court, the heart, to the sea, to the brain, and through the cranks and offices of man, the strongest nerves and small inferior veins from me receive that natural competency whereby thy live. And though that all at once you, my good friends, thus says the belly, mark me. I, sir, well, well. Though all at once cannot see what I do deliver out to each, yet I can make my audit up, that all from me do receive back the flower of all, and leave me but the bran. What say you to it? It was an answer. How apply you this? The senators of Rome are this good belly, and you, the mutinous members, for examine their counsels and their cares, digest things rightly touching the wheel of the common, you shall find no public benefit which you receive, but it proceeds or comes from them to you, and no way from yourselves. What do you think? You, the great toe of this assembly. I, the great toe? Why the great toe? For that, being one of the lowest bases, poorest of this most wise rebellion, thou goest foremost. Thou rascal, thou art worst in blood to run, least first to win some vantage. But make you ready your stiff bats and clubs. Rome and her rats are at the point of battle. The one side must have bail. Hail, noble Martius. Thanks. What's the matter, you dissentious rogues, that rubbing the poor itch of your opinion make yourselves scabs? We have ever your good word. He that will give good words to thee will flatter beneath a boring. What would you have, you curs, that like not peace nor war? The one affrights you, the other makes you proud. He that trusts to you, where he should find you lions, finds you hares. Where foxes, geese, you are no surer, no, than is the coal of fire upon the ice, or hailstone in the sun. Your virtue is to make him worthy, whose offense subdues him, and curse that justice did it. Who deserves greatness deserves your hate, and your affections are a sick man's appetite, who desires most that which would increase his evil. He that appends upon your favor swims with fins of lead and hews down oaks with rushes. Hang ye. Trust ye. With every minute you do change a mind, and call him noble that was now your hate, him vile that was your garland. What's the matter that in these several places of the city you cry against the noble senate who, under the gods, keep you in awe? which else would feed on one another. What's their seeking? For corn at their own rates, whereof they say the city is well stored. <laughs> Hang them, they say. They'll sit by the fire and presume to know what's done in the capital, who's like to rise, who thrives and who declines, side factions and give out conjectural marriages, making parties strong and feebling, such as stand not in their liking below their cobbled shoes. They say there's grain enough, would the nobility lay aside their ruth and let me use my sword? I'll make a quarry with thousands of these quartered slaves as high as I could pick my lance. Nay, these are almost thoroughly persuaded, for though abundantly they lack discretion, yet they are passing cowardly. But I beseech you, what says the other troop? They are dissolved. Hang them! They said they were unhungry, side forth proverbs that hunger broke stone walls, that dogs must eat, that meat was made for mouths, that the gods sent not corn for the rich men only. With these shreds they vented their complainings, which being answered and a petition granted them, a strange one, 
to break the heart of generosity and make bold power look pale, they threw their caps as they would hang them on the horns of the moon, shouting their emulation. What is granted them? Five tribunes to defend their vulgar wisdoms of their own choice. One Junius Brutus, Sicinius Velutus, and I know not. Death. The rabble should have first unroofed the city ere so prevailed with me. It will in time win upon power and throw forth greater themes for insurrections arguing. This is strange. Go, get you home, you fragments. Enter a messenger hastily. Where's Caius Martius? Here, what's the matter? The news is, sir, the Volskis are in arms. I am glad on it. Then we shall have means to vent our musty superfluity. See our best elders. Enter Cominius, Titus Lartius, and other senators, Junius Brutus and Sicinius Velutus. Martius, tis true that you have lately told us. The Volskis are in arms. They have a leader, Tullus Ophidius, that will put you to it. I sin in envying his nobility, and were I anything but what I am, I would wish me only he. You have fought together. Were half to half the world by the ears, and he upon my party, I'd revolt to make only my wars with him. He is a lion that I am proud to hunt. Then worthy Martius, attend upon Cominius to these wars. It is your former promise. Sir, it is, and I am constant. Titus Lartius, thou shalt see me once more strike at Tullus' face. What, art thou stiff, standest out? No, Caius Martius, I'll lean upon one crutch and fight with t'other, ere stay behind this business. Oh, true bread. Your company to the capital, where I know our greatest friends will attend us. Lead you on. Right worthy you priority. Noble Martius. Hence to your homes. Be gone. Nay, let them follow. The Volskis have much corn. Take these rats thither to gnaw their garners. Worshipful mutineers, your valor puts well forth. Pray, follow. Citizens steal away, exempt all but Cineus and Brutus. Was ever man so proud as this Marcius? He has no equal. When we were chosen tribunes for the people. Mark you his lip and eyes? <laughs> Nay, but his taunts. Being moved, he will not spare to gird the gods. But mark the modest moon. The present wars devour him. He is grown too proud to be so valiant. Mm, such a nature. Tickled with the good succession, disdain the shadow which he treads on at noon. Mm. But I do wonder, his insolence can brook to be commanded under Cominius. Fame at the which he aims, in whom he already he's well-graced, cannot better be held, nor more attained than by a place below the first. For what miscarries shall the general's fault, though uh, th- he perform to the utmost of a man, and giddy censure when he cry out, Martius, oh, if he had borne the business. Besides, if things go well, opinion that so sticks on Marcius shall of his demerits rob Cominius. Come, half of all Cominius's honors are to Martius, though Martius earn them not, and all his faults to Martius shall be honors, though indeed in aught he merit not. 
Let's hence and hear how the dispatch is made, and in what fashion. More than his singularity, he goes upon his present action. Let's along. Exit. Scene two, Corioli, the Senate House, enter Tullus Aphidius and certain senators. So your opinion is, Aphidius, that they of Rome are entered in our councils and know how we proceed. Is it not yours? Whatever have been thought on this state that could be brought to bodily act ere Rome had circumvention? Tis not four days gone since I have heard thence. These are the words. I think I have the letter here. Yes, here it is. They that have pressed power, but it is not known whether for east or west, the dearth is great, the people mutinous. And it is rumored, Cominius, Marcius, your old enemy, who is of Rome worse hated than of you, and Titus Lartius, a most valiant Roman. These three lead on this preparation, whether tis bent, most likely tis for you. Consider it. Our army's in the field. We never yet made doubt, but Rome was ready to answer us. Nor did you think it folly to keep your great pretenses veiled till when they needs must show themselves, which in the hatching, it seemed, appeared to be Rome. By the discovery, we should be shortened and in our aim, which was to take in many towns ere almost Rome should know we were afoot. Noble Aphidius, take your commission. Hie you to your bands. Let us alone to guard Corioli. If they set down before us for the remove, bring your army, but I think you'll find they've not prepared for us. Oh, doubt not that. I speak from certainties, nay more. Some parcels of their power are forth already, and only hitherward. I leave your honors. If we and Caius Marcius chance to meet, to sworn between us we shall ever strike till one can do no more. The gods assist you. And keep your honor safe. Farewell. 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 Exent. Scene three, Rome, a room in Martius's house. Enter Volumnia and Virgilia. They set them down on two low stools, and so. Pray you, daughter, sing, or express yourself in a more comfortable sort. If my son were my husband, I should freely rejoice in that absent wherein he won honor than in the embarrassments of his bed where he would show most love. When yet he was but a tender-bodied and the only son of my womb, when youth with comeliness plucked all gaze his way, when for a day's king's entreaties a mother should not sell him an hour from her beholding, I considering how honor would become such a person, that it was no better than a picture like to hang by the wall if renown made it not stir. What was pleased to let him seek danger where he was like to find fame? To a cruel war I sent him. From whence he returned, his brows bound with oak. I tell thee, daughter, I sprang not more in joy at first hearing he was a man-child than now, in first seeing he has proved himself a man. But had he died in the business, madam, how then? Then his good report should have been my son. I therein would have found issue. Hear me profess sincerely, had I a dozen sons, each in my love alike, and none less dear than thine and my good Martius, I had rather had eleven die nobly for their country 
that one voluptuously surfeit out of action. Enter a gentlewoman. Madam, the Lady Valeria is come to visit you. Oh, beseech you, give me leave to retire myself. Indeed, you shall not. Methinks I hear hither your husband's drum. See him pluck Alphidius down by the hair, as children from a bear the Volsies shunning him. Methinks I see him stamp thus and call thus. Come on, you cowards. You were gotten fear, though you were born in Rome. His bloody brow with his mailed hand, then wiping forth he goes, like to a harvest man that tasked to mow, or all or lose his hire. His bloody brow? Oh, Jupiter, no blood. Away, you fool. It more becomes a man than guilt his trophy. The breasts of Hecuba, when she did suckle Hector, looked not lovelier than Hector's forehead when it split with blood at Grecian sword, contemning. Tell Valeria, we are fit to bid her welcome. Exit, gentlewoman. Heavens bless my lord from fellow Phidias. He'll beat up Phidias head below his knee and tread upon his neck. Enter Valeria with an usher and gentlewoman. My ladies both, good day to you. Sweet madam. I'm glad to see your ladyship. How do you both? You are manifest housekeepers. What, are you sewing here? A fine spot, in good faith. How does your little son? I thank your ladyship. Well, good madam. He had rather see the swords and hear a drum than look upon his schoolmaster. (laughs) My word, the father's son. I swear, tis a very pretty boy. On my trot, I looked upon him a Wednesday half an hour together. Such a confirmed countenance. I saw him run after a gilded butterfly, and when he caught it, he let it go again, and again he, and after it again, and over, and over, and over he comes, and again, catched it again, or whether his fallen raged him, or how it was, he did so set his teeth and tear it. Oh, I warrant it, how he mimicked it. One of his father's moods. Indeed, La, to the noble child. The crack, madam. Come, lay aside your stitchery. I must have you play the idle housewife with me this e- this afternoon. Oh, no, good madam. I will not out of doors. Not out of doors? She shall, she shall. Indeed, no, by your patience. I'll not over the threshold till my lord return from the wars. Sorry, you can find yourself most unreasonably. Come, you must go visit the good lady that lies in. I will wish her speedy strength and visit her with my prayers. But I cannot go thither. Why, I pray you. Tis not to save labor, nor that I want love. You would be another Penelope. Yet they say all the yarn she spun in Ulysses' absence did but fill Ithaca full of moths. Come, I would your cambric were sensible as your finger, that you might leave pricking it for pity. Come, you shall go with us. No, good madam, pardon me. Indeed, I will not forth. In truth, Lot, go with me, and I'll tell you excellent news of your husband. Oh, good madam, there can be none yet. Verily, I do not jest with you. There came news from him last night. Indeed, madam? In earnest, it's true. I heard a senator speak of it. <laughs> Thus it is. The Volsies have an army forth, against one, Commonus, the general, the general is gone, with one part of our Roman power. 
your lord and Titus Lartius are set down before their, the city Corioli. They nothing doubt prevailing and to make it brief worse. This is true on mine honor. And so I pray go with us. Oh, give me excuse, good madam. I will obey you in everything hereafter. Let her alone, lady. As she is now, she will but disease our better mirth. In truth, I think she would. Fare you well, then. Come, good sweet lady. Prithee, Virgilia, turn thy solemnness out of door, and go along with us. No, at a word, madam. Indeed, I must not. I wish you much mirth. Well, then, farewell. Sent. Scene four before Corioli, oh my gosh, guys. Enter with drum and colors, Martius, Titus, Lartius, captains and soldiers, to them a messenger. Yonder comes news. A wager they have met. My horse to yours, no? Tis done. Agreed. Say, has our general met the enemy? They lie in view, but have not spoke as yet. So the good horse is mine. I'll buy him of you. No, I'll nor sell nor give him. Lend you him, I will, for half a hundred years. Some in the town. How far off lie these armies? Within this mile and half. Then shall we hear their lorum, and they ours. Now, Mars, I prithee, make us quick in work, that we with smoking swords may march from hence to help our fielded friends. Come, blow thy blast. They sound a parley, enter two senators with others on the walls. Tell us, Aphidius, is he within your walls? No, nor a man that fears you less than he, that's a lesser than a little. Hark, our drums are bringing forth our youth. We'll break our walls rather than they shall pound us up. Our gates, which yet seem shut, we have but pinned with rushes. They'll open of themselves. Hark you, fair off. There is Aphidius. What work he makes amongst your cloven army. Oh, they're at it. Their noise be our instruction. Ladders, ho! Enter the army of the, how are we saying this, Volsies? Volsies? Volsies. Enter the army of the Volsies. <laughs> they fear us not, but issue forth their city. Now put your shields before your hearts and fight with hearts more proof than shields. Advance, brave Titus. They do disdain us much beyond our thoughts, which make me sweat with wrath. Come on, my fellows. He that retires, I'll take him for a Volsky, and he shall feel mine edge. Alarm. The Romans are beat back to the trenches. Re-enter Martius, cursing. All the contagion of the South light on you, you shames of Rome. You heard of boils and plagues plaster you o'er, that you may be abhorred further than seen, and one infect another against the wind a mile. You souls of geese that bear the shapes of men, how have you run from slaves that apes would beat Pluto and hell? All hurt behind, backs red and faces pale with flight and agued fear. Mend and charge home or by the fires of heaven. I'll leave the foe and make my wars on you. Look to it. Come on, if you'll fast and fast, we'll beat them to their wives as they us to our trenches followed. Another alarm. Volsies fly and Martius follows them to the gates. So, now the gates are ope. Now prove good seconds. Tis for the followers, fortune widens them, not for the flyers. Mark me and do the like. Enters the gates. Foolhardiness. Not I. 
Nor I. Martius is shut in. See? They have shut him in. To the pot, I warned him. Alarm continues. Re-enter Titus Lartius. What has become of Martius? Slain, sir, doubtless. Following the flyers, the very heels with them he enters, who upon the sudden clapped to their gates, he, him, he is himself alone to answer all the city. Oh, noble fellow, who sensibly outdares his senseless sword, and when it bows, stands up. Thou art left, Martius. The carbuncle and tire, as big as thou art, were not so rich a jewel. Thou wast a soldier, even to Cato's wish, not fierce and terrible, only in strokes. But with thy grim looks and the thunder-like percussion of thy sounds, thou madest thine enemies shake, as if the world were feverous and feverous and did tremble. Re-enter Martius, bleeding, assaulted by the enemy. Look, sir. Oh, tis Martius. Let's fetch him off or make remain alive, alike. They fight and all enter the city. Scene five, Corioli, a street, enter certain Romans with spoils. This will I carry to Rome. Oh, and I this. A marine on it. I took this for silver. Um, enter Martius and Titus Lartius with a trumpet. See here, these movers that do prize their hours at a cracked drachma, cushions, leaden spoons, irons of a doit, doublets that hangmen would bury with those that wore them. These base slaves are yet the fight be done. Pack up! No. Down with them, and hark what noise the general makes. To him! There is the man of my soul's hate, Ophidius, piercing our Romans. Then, valiant Titus, take convenient members to make good the city, whilst I, with those that have the spirit, will haste to help Cominius. Worthy, sir, thou bleedst. Thy exercise hath been too violent for a second course of fight. Sir, praise me not. My work hath yet not warmed me. Fare you well. The blood I drop is rather physical than dangerous to me. To Ophidius thus I will appear and fight. Now the fair goddess Fortune fall deep in love with thee, and her great charms misguide thy opposer's swords. Bold gentleman, prosperity be thy page. Thy friend no less than those she placeth highest. So farewell. Thou worthiest, Martius. Exit Martius. Go, sound thy trumpet in the marketplace. Call thither all the officers of the town, where they shall know our mind. Away. Exit. Scene six, near the camp of Cominius. Enter Cominius as as it were in retire with soldiers. Breathe you, my friends. Well fought. We are come off like Romans. Neither foolish in our stands nor cowardly retire. Believe me, sirs, we shall be charged again. Whilst we have struck by interns and conveying gusts, we have heard the charges of our friends. We Roman gods lead their successes as we wish our own, that both our powers with smiling fronts encounter may give you thankful sacrifice. Enter a messenger. Thy news? The citizens of Corioli have issued and given to Lartius and to Martius battle. I saw our party to their trenches driven, and then I came away. Though thou speakest truth, methinks thou speakest not well. How long is it since? Above an hour, my lord. Tis not a mile. Briefly we heard their drums. How couldst thou in a mile confound an hour and bring thy news so late? 
spies of the Volskis held me in chase that I was forced to wheel three or four miles about. Else had I, sir, half an hour since brought my report. Who's yonder that does appear as he were flayed? Oh, God. He has the stamp of marches, and I have before time seen him thus. Am I too late? The shepherd knows not thunder from a tabor more than I know the sound of Martius tongue from every meaner man. Dear Martius, come I too late. I, if you come not in the blood of others, but mantled in your own. Uh, let me clip ye in arms as sound as when I wooed, in heart as merry as when our nuptial day was done, and tapers burned to bedward. Flower of warriors. How is it with Titus Larchus? As with a man busied about decrees, condemning some to death and some to exile, ransoming him or pitying, threatening the other, holding Coriolee in the name of Rome, even like a fawning greyhound in the leash to let him slip at will. Where is that slave which told me they had beat you to the trenches? Where is he? Call him hither. Let him alone. He did inform the truth before our gentlemen, the common file of plague tribunes for them the mouse never shunned the cat as they did budge from rascals worse than they but how prevailed you will the time serve to tell i do not think where is the enemy are you lords of the field if not why cease you till you are so martius we have a disadvantage fought and did retire to win our purpose how lies their battle know you on which side they have placed their men of trust as I guess, Martius, their bands in the, in the vanguard are the anti are the antiques of their best trust, or them Ophidius, the very heart of hope. I do beseech you, by all the battles wherein we have fought, by the blood we have shed together, by the vows we have made to endure friends, that you directly set me against Aphidius and his entieties, and that you not delay the present, but filling the air with swords, advanced and darts, we prove this very hour. Oh, I could wish you were conducted to a gentle bath and bombs applied to you, yet dare I never deny your asking. Take your choice of those that best can aid your action. Those are they that are, that most are willing. If any such be here, as it were sin to doubt, that love this painting wherein you see me smeared, if any fear lesser his person than an ill report, if any think brave death outweighs bad life, and that his country's dearer than himself, let me alone, or so, or so many so minded, wave thus to express his disposition, and follow Martius. They all shout and wave their swords, take him up in their arms, and cast up their caps. Oh, me alone. Make you a sword of me? If these shows be not outward, which of you but is for Volskis? None of you but is able to bear against the great Ophidius a shield as hard as his. A certain number, though thanks to all, must I select from all. The rest shall bear the business in some other fight, as cause will be obeyed. Please you to march, and four shall quickly draw out my command, which men are best inclined. March on, my fellows. Make good this ostentation, and you shall divide in all with us. 
Excellent. Scene seven, the gates of Corioli. Enter Titus Larcius, having set a guard upon Corioli, going with drum and trumpet toward Cominius when Caius Martius enters with lieutenant, other soldiers, and a scout. So let the ports be guarded. Keep your duties as I have set them down. If I do send, dispatch those centuries to our aid. The rest will serve for a short holding. If we lose the field, we cannot keep the town. They are not our care, sir. Hence, and shut your gates upon us. Our guider come to the Roman camp, conduct us. Exunt. Scene eight, a field of battle. Alarum as in battle. Enter from opposite sides, Martius and Ophidius. I'll fight with none but thee, for I do hate thee worse than a promise breaker. We hate alike. Not Afric owns a serpent I abhor more than thy fame and enemy. Fix thy foot. Let the first budger die the other's slave, and the gods doom him after. If I fly, Marcius, hollow me like a hare. Within these three hours, tell us, alone I fought in your Corali walls, and made what work I pleased. Tis not my blood wherein thou seekest, seest me masked, for thy revenge wrench up thy power to the highest. Were thou the Hector that was the wit of your bragged progeny, thou shouldst not skate me here. They fight, and certain Volsies come to the aid of Ophidius. Martius fights till they be driven in breathless. Ophidius! I'm not valiant. You have shamed me in your condemned seconds. Exit. Scene nine, the Roman camp. Flourish, alarm, a retreat is sounded. Flourish, enter from one side, Cominius with the Romans. From the other side, Martius and his arm in a scarf. If I should tell thee o'er this day thy day's work, Thou not believe thy deeds, but I'll report it where senators shall mingle tears with smiles, where great patricians shall attend and shrug in the end admire, where ladies shall be frighted and gladly quaked hear more, where the dull tribunes that with the lust the fusty plebeians hate thine honors shall say against their hearts, we thank. The gods, our Rome, hath such a soldier. Yet camest thou to a morsel of this feast, having fully dined before. Enter Titus Lartius with his power from the pursuant. O general, here is the steed, we the the caparison. Hadst thou beheld... Pray now, no more. My mother, who has a charter to extol her blood, when she does praise me, grieves me. I have done... As you have done. That's what I can. Induced as you have been. That's for my country. He that has but affected his goodwill hath overtaken mine act. You shall not be the grave of your deserving. Rome must know the value of her own. T'were a concealment worse than a theft. No less than a traducement to hide your doings and to silence that which to the spire and Top of praises vouched should seem but modest. Therefore, I beseech you, in sign of what you are, not to reward what you have done before our before our army. Hear me. I have some wounds upon me, and they smart to hear themselves remembered. Should they not, that well might they fester against ingratitude, and tent themselves with death. 
of all the horses whereof we have tamed good and good store of all the treasure in this field achieved and city we render you the tenth to be tamed forth before the common distribution at your own choice i thank you general but cannot make my heart consent to take a bribe to pay my sword i do refuse it and stand upon my common part with those that have beheld the doing a long flourish, they all cry, Martius, Martius, cast up their caps and lances, Cominius and Lartius stand there. May these same instruments which you profane never sound more, when drums and trumpets shall in the field prove flatterers, let courts and cities be made all of false face soothing. When steel grows soft as the parasite's silk, let him be made a coverture for the wars. No more, I say. For that I have not washed my nose that bled or foiled some devil wretch, which without note, here's many else have done. You shout me forth in acclamations hyperbolical, as if I loved my little should be dieted in praises sauced with lies. Too modest are you, more cruel to your good report than grateful to us that give you truly. By your patience, if gainst yourself you be incensed, We'll put you like one that means his proper harm in manacles, then reason safely with you. Therefore, be it known, as to us, to all the world, that Caius Martius wears his wars, this war's garland, in token of the which, my noble steed, known to the camp, I give him, with all his trim belonging, and from this time, for what he did before Coriolis. Call him, with all the applause and clamor of the host, Martius Caius Coriolanus. Bear the addition nobly ever. Flourish, trumpets and sounds and drums. Caius Martius Coriolanus! <laughs> I will go wash, and when my face is fair, you shall perceive whether I blush or no. Howbeit, I thank you. I mean to stride your steed and at all times to undercrest your good addition to the fairness of my power. So to our tent, where, ere we do repose us, we will write to Rome of our success. You, Titus Lartius, must go to Coriolis back. Send us to Rome the best with whom we may articulate for their own good and ours. I shall, my lord. The gods begin to mock me. I that now refuse most princely gifts am bound to beg of my lord general. Take it. Tis yours. What is it? I sometime lay here in Coriolis at a poor man's house. He used me kindly. He cried to me. I saw him prisoner, but then Alphidius was in my view, and wrath overwhelmed my pity. I request you to give my poor host freedom. Oh, most well begged. Were he the butcher of my son, he should be as free as the wind. Deliver him, Titus. Martius, his name? Uh, by Jupiter. Uh, I forgot. I am weary. Yea, my memory is tired. Have we no wine here? Go we to our tent. The blood upon your visage dries. Tis time it should be looked to. Come. Exit. Scene 10. The camp of the Volsies. A flourish, Cornet. Enter Telesophidius, bloody with two or three soldiers. The town is tame. It will be delivered back on good condition. 
condition. I would I were a Roman, for I cannot, being a Volsky, is that what we went with? We're from Poland, it's fine. Um, I would I were a Roman, for I cannot, being a Volsky, be that I am. Condition, what good condition can a treaty find in the part that is at mercy? Five times, Marcius, I have fought with thee so often hast thou beat me, and what's to do so? I think, should we encounter as often as we eat, by the elements, if e'er again I meet him beard to beard, he is mine or I am his. Mine emulation hath not that honor in it. It had, for where I thought to crush him in an equal force, true sword to sword, wow, so many penis references, true sword to sword, I'll potch it him some way or wrath or craft may get him. He's the devil. Bolder, though not so subtle. My valor's poisoned with only suffering stained by him. For him shall fly out of itself, nor sleep, nor sanctuary being naked, sick, nor fame, nor capital, the prayers of priests, nor times of sacrifice, embarkments all of fury shall lift up their rotten privilege and custom gainst my hate to Marcius. Where I find him, were it at home, upon my brother's guard, even there, against the hospitable cannon, would I wash my fierce hand inst heart. Go you to the city, learn how to tell, and what they do that are must be hostages at Rome. Will not you go? I am attended at the Cypress Grove, I pray you. To south the city mills, bring me word thither how the world goes, then that to the pace of it I may spur on my journey. I shall, sir. Exunt. Act two, scene one, Rome, a public place. Enter Menenius, the the names, guys. Menenius with the two tribunes of the people, Sicinius and Brutus. The augur tells me we shall have news tonight. Good or bad? Not according to the prayer of the people, for they love not Martius. Nature teaches the beasts to know their friends. I pray you, who does the wolf love? Why, the lamb. I, to devour him as the hungry Pablians would the noble Martius. Hmm. He's a lamb indeed that baas like a bear. A bear indeed that lives like a lamb. You two are old men. Tell me one thing that I shall ask Rude. You. Well, sir. Well, sir. In what enormity is Martius poor in that you two have not in abundance? He's poor in no one's fault, but stored with all. Especially in his pride. And topping all others in boasting. Ah, this is strange now. Do you two know how you are censured here in the city? I mean, of us of the right-hand file, do you? Why, how how are we censured? Uh, because you talk of pride now, will you not be angry? <laughs> well, 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 sir, well. Sir, well. Why, well. it is no great matter, for a very little thief of occasion will rob you of a great deal of patience, give your dispositions the reins, and be angry at your pleasures. At the least, if you take it as a pleasure to you in being so, you blame Martius for being proud. We do it not alone, sir. 
I know you can do very little alone, for your helps are many, or else your actions would grow wondrous single. Your abilities are too infant-like for doing much alone. You talk of pride. Oh, you that could turn your eyes toward the napes of your necks and make but an interior survey of your good selves. Oh, that you could. What then, sir? Why, then, should you discover a brace of unmeriting, proud, violent, testy magistrates, alias fools as any in Rome? Menenius, you are known well enough, too. I am known to be a humorous patrician, and one that loves a cup of hot wine with not a drop of a laying tiber in it, said to be something imperfect in favoring the first complaint, hasty and tender-like upon too trivial motion, one that converses more with the buttock of the night than with the forehead of the morning. What I think, I utter and spend my malice in my breathing. Meeting two such wheelsmen as you are, <laughs> I cannot call you like Kyrgyzes. If the drink you give me touch my palate adversely, I make a crooked face at it. I can't say your worships have delivered the matter well when I find the ass in the compound with the major part of your syllables. And though I must be content to bear with you that say you are reverend grave men... Yet they lie deadly that tell you you have good faces. If you see this in the map of my microcosm, follow it that I am known well enough to. What barm can your bison conspectuities glean out of this character if I be known well enough to? Come, sir, come. We know you well enough. You know neither me, yourselves, nor anything. You are ambitious for poor knaves, caps and legs. You wear out a good wholesome forenoon and hearing a cause between an orange wife and a foot seller and then rejoin the controversy of threepence to a second day of audience. When you are hearing a matter between party and party, if you chance to be pinched with a colic, you make faces like mummers, set up the bloody flag against all patients and in roaring for a chamber pot, dismiss the controversy, bleeding the more entangled by your hearing. All the peace you make in your cause is calling both the parties' knaves. You are a pair of strange ones. Come, come, you are well understood to be a perfect jiber for the table than a necessary bencher in the capital. Our very priests must become mockers if they shall encounter such ridiculous subjects as you are. When you speak best unto the purpose, it is not worth the wagging of your beards, and your beards deserve not so honorable a grave as to stuff a botcher's cushion or to be entombed in an ass's pack saddle. Yet you must be saying Martius is proud. So, in a cheap estimation, is worth predecessors since Deucalion, though peradventure some of the best of them were hereditary hangmen. God tend to your worships. More of your conversation would infect my brain, being the herdsmen of the beastly plebeians. I will be bold to take my leave of you. Brutus and Sinius go aside. Enter Volumnia, Virgilia, and Valeria. How now, my as fair as noble ladies? And the moon, were she earthly, no nobler? Whither do you follow your eyes so fast? Honorable Menenius. My boy Martius approaches. For the love of Juno, let's go. Ah, Martius coming home. I, worthy Menenius, and with most prosperous approbation. Oh, take my cap, Jupiter, and I thank thee. Oh, Martius is coming home. Nay, tis true. Look, here's a letter from him. The state hath another, his wife another, and I think there's one at home for you. I will make my very house real tonight. A letter for me. 
Yes, certain. There's a letter for you. I saw it. A letter for me. It gives me an estate of seven years' health, in which time I will make a lip at the physician. The most sovereign prescription in Galen is but imperacutic, and to this preservative of no better report than a horse drench. Is he not wounded? He was wont to come home wounded. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, he is wounded. I thank the gods for it. Oh, so do I, too. Ha! So do I, too. If it be not too much, brings a victory in its pocket, the wounds become him. On his brows. Menenius, he comes the third time home with the oaken garland. Has he disciplined Ophidius soundly? Titus Lartius writes they fought together, but Ophidius got off. And t'was time for him, too, who I warned him that. And he had stayed by him, I would not have been so fidiest for all the chests in Coriolis and for the gold in the helm, the gold that's in them. Is the Senate possessed of this? Good ladies, let's go. Yes, yes, yes. The Senate has letters from the general wherein he gives my son the whole name of the war. He hath in this action outdone his former deeds doubly. In trust, there's wondrous things spoke of him. Wondrous, I, I warrant you, and not without his true purchasing. Oh, the gods grant them true. True? How well? True? I'll be sworn they're true. Uh, where's he wounded? Ah, oh, God save your good worships. Martius is coming home. He has more cause to be proud. Where is he wounded? In the shoulder. And in the left arm, there will be large cicatrices to show the people. When he shall stand for this place... He received in the repulsive Tarkin seven hurts in the body. One of the neck and two of the thigh. There's nine that I know. He had, before this last expedition, 25 wounds upon him. And now it's 27. Every gash was an enemy's grave. Hark, the trumpets. These are the ushers of Martius. Before him he carries noise, and behind him he leaves tears. Death. That dark spirit, his nervy arm doth lie, which being advanced, declines, and then men die. No, Rome, that all alone Martius did fight within Corioli gates, where he hath won with fame a name to Caius Martius. These in honor follows Coriolanus, Welcome to Rome, renowned Coriolanus. Welcome to Rome, renowned Coriolanus. No more of this. It does offend my heart. Pray now, no more. Look, sir, your mother. Oh, you have, I know, petitioned all the gods for my prosperity. Nay, my good soldier, up, my gentle Martius, worthy Caius, and by deed achieving honored, newly named. What is it? Coriolanus, must I call thee? But, oh, thy wife. My gracious silence, hail. Wouldst thou have laughed had I come coffined home that weepest to see me triumph? Ay, my dear, such eyes the widows in Coriolis wear, and mothers that lack sons. Now the gods crown thee. And live you yet? Oh, my sweet lady, pardon. I know not where to turn. <laughs> oh, welcome home, and welcome, General, and you're welcome all. A hundred thousand welcomes. I could weep and I could laugh. I am light and heavy. Welcome. A curse begin at very root on's heart that is not glad to see thee. 
You are three that Rome should dote on, yet by the faith of men we have some old crab trees here at home that will not be grafted to your relish. You are welcome, warriors. We call a nettle but a nettle, and the faults of fools but folly. Ever right, Menenius, ever, ever. Give way there and go on. Your hand and yours. Ere in our own house I do shade my head, the good patricians must be visited, for whom I have received not only greetings, but with them change of honors. I have lived to see inherited my very wishes and the buildings of my fancy. Only there's one thing wanting, which I doubt not, but our Rome will cast upon thee. No, good mother, I had rather be their servant in my way than sway with them in theirs. Come on to the capital. Flourish, cornets, exit in state as before. Brutus and Sicinius come forward. All tongues speak of him, and the bleared sights are spectacle to see him. Your prattling nurse into a rapture lets her baby cry while she chats him. The kitchen malkin pins her richest lock from about his, her reachy neck, clamoring the walls to eye him. Stalls, bulks, windows are smothered up. Leads filled and ridges, horse with variable complexions, all agreeing in earnestness to see him. Seld shown flamens do press among the popular throngs and puff to win a vulgar station, or veiled dames commit the war of white and damask in their nicely gawed cheeks to the wanton spoil of Phoebus's burning kisses. Such a pother, as if, if, as if that whatsoever god who leads him were silly, slyly crept into his human po- powers and gave him graceful posture. On the sudden, I warrant him consul. Then our office may, during his power, go sleep. He cannot temperately transport his honors from where he should begin and end. But we'll lose those he hath won. In that there's comfort. Doubt not. The commoners for whom we stand, but they upon their ancient malice will forget with the least cause these his new honors, which that he will give them make I as little question as he is proud to do it. I heard him swear. Mm. Were he to stand for counsel, never would he appear in the marketplace, nor put him, uh, nor put the napless vesture of humility, nor showing, as the manner is, his wounds to the people beg their stinking breaths. Tis right. It was his word. Oh, would he miss it rather than carry it but by the suit of the gentry to him and the desire of the nobles? Mm, I wish no better. Then have him hold that purpose and put it in execution. Tis most like he will. It shall be to him, then, as our good wills, a sure destruction. So it must fall out to him our authorities, for in end we must struggle, we must suggest the people in what hatred he hath held of them. That to the power he would have made them mules, silenced their pleaders, and dispropertied their freedoms, holding them in human action and capacity, of no more soul nor fitness for the world than camels of war, who have their provend only for the bearing burdens and sore blows for sinking under them. This, as you say, suggested, at some time when his soaring insolence shall touch the people, which time shall not want. If he, 
be put upon it. And that's as easy as to set dogs on sheep. Will be his fire to kindle their dry stubble, and their blaze shall darken him forever. Enter a messenger. <laughs> What's the matter? You are sent for to the capital. Tis thought that marshes shall be consul. I have seen the dumb men throng to see him, and the blind to bear him speak. Matrons flung gloves, ladies and maids their scarves and handkerchiefs upon him as he passed. The nobles bended as to Jove's statue, and the commons made a shower and thunder with their caps and shouts. I never saw the like. Let's go to the capital and carry with us ears and eyes for the time, but hearts for the event. Mm, have with you. Exempt. Scene two, the same, the capital. Enter two officers to lay cushions. Come, come, they are almost here. How many stand for consulships? Three, they say, but tis thought of every one Coriolanus will carry it. That's a brave fellow, but he's vengeance proud and loves not the common people. Faith, there have been many great men that have flattered the people who never loved them, and there may be many that have loved, they know not wherefore, so that if they love, they know not why, they hate upon no better ground. Therefore, for Coriolanus neither to care whether they love or hate him manifests the true knowledge he has in their disposition, and out of his noble carelessness lets them plainly see it. If he did not care whether he had their love or no, he waved indifferently twixt doing them neither good nor harm, but he seeks their hate with greater devotion than can render it him, and leaves nothing undone that, that may fully discover him their opposite. Now, to seem to affect the malice and displeasure of the people is as bad as that which he dislikes, to flatter them for their love. He hath deserved worthily of his country, and his, as, his ascent is not by such easy degrees as those who have, having been supple and courteous to the people, bonneted without any further deed to have them at and into their estimation and report. But he hath so planted his honors in their eyes and his actions in their hearts that for their tongues to be silent and not confess so much were a kind of ingrateful injury. To report otherwise were a malice that giving itself the lie would pluck reproof and rebuke from every ear that heard it. No more of him. He is a worthy man. Make way. They are coming. A senate enter the, with actors before them, Cominius the consul, Menenius, Coriolanus, senators, Sicinius, and Brutus. The senators take their places. The tribunes take their places by themselves. Coriolanus stands. Having determined of the Volsces and to send for Titus Larcius, it remains as the main point of this hour after meeting to gratify his noble service that hath thus stood for his country. Therefore, please you, most reverend and grave elders, to desire the present consul and last general in our well-found success to report a little of that worthy work performed by Caius Martius Coriolanus, whom we met here both to thank and to remember with honors like himself. Speak good, Cominius. Leave nothing out for length and make us think rather our state's defective for requital than we to stretch it out. Masters of the people, 
We do request your kindest ear, and after your loving motion toward the common body to yield what passes here. We are convented upon a pleasing treaty and have hearts inclinable to honor and advance the theme of our assembly. Which the rather we shall be blessed to do, if he remember a kinder value to the people than he hath hitherto prized them at. Mm. That's off. That's off. I would you rather have been silent. Please you to hear Cominius speak. Most willingly. But yet my caution was more pertinent than the rebuke, rebuke you gave it. He loves your people, but tie him not to be their bedfellow. Worthy Cominius, speak. Nay. Uh, Coriolanus offers to go away. Nay, keep your place. Said Coriolanus, never shame to hear what you have nobly done. Your horrors pardon. I had rather have my wounds to heal again than hear say how I got them. Sir, I hope my words dispensed you not. No, sir. Yet off when blows have made me stay, I fled from words. You soothe not, therefore hurt not. But your people, I love them as they weigh. Hey, now, sit down. I had rather have one scratch my head in the sun when the alarum were struck than idly sit to hear my nothings monstered. Exit. Masters of the people, your multiplying spawn, how can he flatter? That's thousands to one good one. When, you see, when now you see he had rather venture all his limbs for honor than one on's ears to hear it. Proceed, Cominius. I shall lack voice. The deeds of Coriolanus should not be uttered feebly. It is held that valor is the cheap, cheapest virtue and most dignifies the haver. If it be, the man I speak of cannot in the world be single counterpoised. At 16 years, when Tarquin made a head for Rome, he fought beyond the mark of others. Our then dictator, whom with all praise I point at, saw him fight when with his Amazonian chin he drove the bristled lips before him. He bestrid an oppressed Roman, and in the consul's view slew three opposers. Tarquin's self he met and struck him on his knee. In that day's feast, when he might act the woman in the scene, he proved best man in the field, and for his need was browbound with the oak. His pupil age men entered thus. He waxed like a sea, and in the brunt of seventeen battles since he lurched all he lurched all swords of the garland. For this last, before and in Coriolis. Let me say, I cannot speak him home. He stopped the flyers and by his rare example made the coward turn terror into sport. As weeds before a vessel under sail, so men obeyed and fell below his stem. His sword, death's stamp, where it did mark, it took from face to foot. He was a thing of blood, whose every motion was timed with dying cries. Alone he entered the mortal gate of the city, which he painted with shunless destiny, 
Aedilus came off and with a sudden reinforcement struck Coriolis like a planet. Now, all's his. When by and by the din of war again pierced his ready sense, then straight his doubled spirit requickened what in flesh was fatigate, and in and to the battle came he, where he did run reeking o'er the lives of men, as if twere a perpetual spoil. Until we called both field and city ours, he ne'er stood to see to ease his breast with panting. Worthy man. He cannot but with measure fit the honors which we devise him. Our spoils he kicked at and looked upon things precious as they were the common muck, as precious as they were the common muck of the world. He covets less than misery itself would give, rewards his deeds with doing them, and is content to spend the time to end He's right noble. Let him be called for. Call Coriolanus. Uh, he does enter. You re-enter Coriolanus. The Senate, Coriolanus, are well pleased to make thee consul. I do owe them still my life and services. It then remains that you do speak to the people. I do beseech you. Let me o'erleap that custom, for I cannot put on the gown, stand naked, and entreat them for my wound's sake to give their suffrage. Please you that I may pass this doing. Um, sir, the people must have their voice. Neither they will bait one jot of ceremony. Put them not to it. Pray you, go fit you to the custom, and take to you, as your predecessors have, your honor with the form. It is a part that I shall blush in acting and might well be taken from the people. Mark you that. To brag unto them, thus I did, and thus, and show them the unaching scars which I should hide as if I had received them for the hire of their breath only. Do not stand upon it. We recommend to you, tribunes of the people, our purpose to them, and to our noble consul, wish we all joy and honor. To Coriolanus come all joy and honor. Flourish of Cornets. Exit all but Sicinius and Brutus. Hmm. You see how he intends to use people? Oh, may they perceive its intent. He will require them, as if he did condemn what he requested, should be in them to give. Come. We'll inform them of our proceedings here. On the marketplace, I know they do attend us. Consent. Scene three, the same, the forum. Enter seven or eight citizens. Once, if he do require our voices, we ought not to deny him. Uh, something. <laughs> I know it's going to be sorry. We may, sir, if we will. We have power in ourselves to do it, but it is a power that we have no power to do. For if he show us his wounds and tell us his deeds... We are to put our tongues into those wounds and speak for them. So if he tell us his noble deeds, we must also tell him our noble acceptance of them. Ingratitude is monstrous, and for the multitude to be ingrateful were to make a monster of the multitude, of the which we, being members, should bring ourselves to be monstrous members. And to make us no better thought of, a little help will serve. For once we stood up about the corn, he himself stuck not to call us the many-headed multitude. 
we have been called so of many, not that our heads are some brown, some black, some auburn, some bald, but that our wits are so diversely colored. And truly, I think if all our wits were to issue out of one skull, they would fly east, west, north, south, and their consent of one direct way should be at once to all the points of the compass. Think you so? Which way do you judge my wit would fly? Nay, your wit will not so soon out as another man's will. Tis strongly wedged up in a blockhead. But if it were at liberty, twould sure southward. Mm, why that way? To lose itself in a fog. Where being three parts melted away with rotten dews, the fourth would return for conscience sake to help get thee a wife. Mm, you are never without your tricks. You may. You may. Are you all resolved to give your voices? But that's no matter. The greater part carries it. I say, if he would incline to peep to the people, there was never a worthier man. Enter Coriolanus in a gown of humility with Meninius. He comes, and in the gown of humility, mark his behavior. We are not to stay all together, but to come by him where he stands, by ones, by twos, and by threes. He's to make his request by particulars, wherein every one of us has a single honor. In giving him our own voices with our own tongues, therefore follow me, and I direct you how you shall go by him. Content. 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 Oh, sir, you are not right. Have you not known the worthiest men have done? What must I say? I pray, sir, plague upon it. I cannot bring my tongue to such a pace. Look, sir, my wounds. I got them in my country's service when some certain of your brethren roared and ran from the noise of our own drums. Oh, me, the gods, you must not speak of that. You must desire them to think upon you. <laughs> think upon me. Hang them. I would, they would forget me like the virtues which our divines lose by them. You'll mar all. I'll leave you. Pray you, speak to him. I pray you in wholesome manner. Exit. Bid them wash their faces and keep their teeth clean. Re-enter two of the citizens. So, here comes a brace. Re-enter a third citizen. You know the cause of my standing here. We do, sir. Tell us what hath brought you to it. Mine own desserts. Your own desserts? Aye, but not mine own desire. How not your own desire? No, sir, Twas never my desire yet to trouble the poor with begging. You must think if we give you anything, we hope to gain by you. Well, then, I pray, your price of the consulship? The price is to ask it kindly. Kindly? <clears throat> Sir, I pray, let me hat. I have wounds to show you, which shall be yours in private. Your good voice, sir. What say you? You shall have it, worthy sir. A match, sir. There is an all two worthy voices begged. I have your alms. Adieu. 
this is something odd. And twerk to give again, but. Exempt the three citizens, re-enter the other two citizens. Pray you now, if it may stand with the tune of your voices, that I may be consul. I have here the customary gown. You have deserved nobly of your country, and you have not deserved nobly. Your enigma? You've been a scourge to her enemies. You've been a rod to her friends. You have not indeed loved the common people. You should account me the more virtuous that I have not been common in my love. I will, sir, flatter my sworn brother, the people, to earn a dearer estimation of them. Tis a condition they account gentle. And since the wisdom of their choice is rather to have my hat than my heart, I will practice the insinuating nod and be off to them most counterfeitly. That is, sir, I will uh, counterfeit the bewitchment of some popular man and give it bountiful to the desirers. Therefore, beseech you, I may be consul. We hope to find you our friend and therefore give you our voices heartily. You have received many wounds for your country. I will not seal your knowledge with showing them. I will make much of your voices, and so trouble you no further. The gods give you joy, sir, heartily. Exent. <laughs> Most sweet voices. Better it is to die, better to starve, than crave the hire which first we do deserve. Why in this wolfish toke should I stand here to beg of Hob and Dick that do appear their needless vouches? Custom calls me to it. What custom wills in all things should we do it. The dust on antique time would lie unswept, and mountainous error be too highly hept for truth to appear. Rather than fool it so, let the high office and the honor go to one that would do thus. I am half through. The one part suffered, the other will I do. Re-enter the three citizens more. Here come more voices! Your voices! For your voices, I have fought. Watched for your voices. Your voices bear of wounds two dozen odd. Battles thrice six I have seen and heard of. For your voices have done many things, some less, some more your voices. Indeed, I would be consul. Exent. Worthy oh. voice. He has done nobly and cannot go without any honest man's voice. Therefore, let him be counsel. The gods give him joy and make him good friend to the people. Amen. 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 The custom of request you have discharged. The people do admit you and are summoned to meet anon upon your approbation. Where? At the Senate House? Uh, there, Coriolanus. May I change these garments? 
You may, sir. That I'll straight do. And knowing myself again, repair to the Senate House. I'll keep you company. Will you along? We stay here for the people. Hmm. Fare you well. Exempt Coriolanus and Menenius. He has it now, and by his looks, methinks, tis warm at his heart. With a proud heart, he wore his humble weeds. Mm. Will you dismiss the people? Re-enter citizens. How now, my masters, I have you chose this man? He has our voices, sir. Oh, we pray the gods he may deserve your loves. Mm. Command, sir, to my poor unworthy notice, he mocked us when he begged our voices. Certainly. He flouted us downright. No, tis his kind of speech. He did not mock us. Not one amongst us save yourself, but says he used us scornfully. He should have showed us his mark of merit, wounds received for his country. Why, so he did, I'm sure. No, 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 no man, Psalm, no man. He said he had wounds which he could show in private, and with his hat thus waving it in scorn, I would be counsel, says he. Aged custom, but by your voices will not so permit me. Your voices, therefore. When we granted that, here was, I thank you for your voices. Thank you. Your most sweet voices. Now you have left your voices. I have no further with you. Was that this mockery? Mm, Why, either you were ignorant to see it, or seeing it of such childish friendliness to yield your voices. Could you not have told him as you were lessened when he had no power but was a petty servant to the state? He was your enemy, ever spake against your liberties and the charters that you bear in the body of the whale, and now arriving a place of potency and sway of the state, if he should still malignantly remain fast and foe to the plebi, your voices might be curses to yourselves? Ugh. You should have said that as his worthy deeds did claim no less than what he stood for, so his gracious nature would think upon you for your voices and translate his malice towards you into love, standing your friendly lord. Mm, Thus to have said, as you were for advised, had touched his spirit and tried his inclination. From him plucked either his gracious promise, which you might, or cause had called you up, have held him too, or else it would have galled his surely nature, which easily endures, not article, tying him to art, so putting him to rage. You should have taken the advantage of his collar and passed him unelected. Did you perceive he did solicit you in free contempt when he did need your loves? And do you think that his contempt shall not be bruising to you when he doth have, when he hath the power to crush? Why had your bodies no heart among you or had your tongues to cry against a rectorship of judgment? Have you ere now denied the asker and now again of him that did not ask, but mock bestow your suit for tongues? Is not confirmed. We may deny him yet. Oh. Deny him. I'll have 500 voices of that sound. 
I twice 500 and their friends to piece them. Get you handsome instantly and tell those friends. They have chosen a council that will from them take their liberties. Make them, uh, make them of no more voice than dogs that are as often beat for barking as therefore kept to do so. Mm-hmm. Let them assemble, and on a safer judgment, I'll revoke your ignorant election. Enforce his pride and his old hate unto you. Besides, forget not with what contempt he wore the humble weed. How in his suit he scorned you. But your loves, thinking upon his service, took from you the apprehension of his present portents. Which most givingly, ungravely, he did fashion after the inveterate hate he bears you. Lay a fault on us, mm. your tribunes, that we labored no impediment between, but that you must cast your election on him? Say you chose him more after our commandment than as guided by your own true affections, and that your mind's preoccupied with what you rather must do than what you should, made you against the grain to voice him, counsel, lay the fault on us. I spare us not, say we read lectures to you, how youngly he began to serve his country, how long continued, and what stock he springs of, the noble house of the Martians, from whence he came, that Ancus Martius, Numa's daughter's son, who, after the great Hostilius, here was king. Of the same house Publius and Quintus were, that our beat water brought by conditions conduits hither, and Censoronius, nobly named so, twice being by the people's chosen censor, was his great ancestor. One thus descended, that hath beside well in his person wrought to be set high in place. We did commend to your remembrances, but you have found scaling his present bearing with his past, that he's your fixed enemy, and revoke your sudden approbation. Say you ne'er had done it. Harp on that still, mm. but put, but by our putting on, and presently, when you have drawn your number, repair to the capital. We will so. Almost all. Almost all. Repent in the election. election. Yeah, repent in their election. Repent in their election. We will. We will so. Repent in their election. Let them go on. This mutiny were better put in hazard. Then stay past doubt for greater. If as his nature is he shall enrage with their refusal, both observe and answer the vantage of his anger. To the capital, come. We will be there before the stream of the people, and this shall seem as partly tis their own, which we have goaded onward. Exent. Act 3, Scene 1, Rome, a street, Cornets, enter Coriolanus, Menenius, all the gentry, Cominius, Titus Larches, and other senators. Elisophidius then had made new head. He had, my lord, and that it was which caused our swifter composition. So then the Volsci stand but as at first, ready when time shall prompt them to make road upon again. 
they are worn, Lord Consul, so that we shall hardly in our ages see their banners wave again. Saw you, Ophidius? On safeguard he came to me and did curse against the Volsies, for they had so vilely yielded the town. He is retired to Antium. Spoke he of me? He did, my lord. How? What? How often he had met you, sword to sword, that of all things upon the earth he hated your person most, though that he would pawn his fortunes to hopeless restitution, so he might be called your vanquisher. At Antium lives he. At Antium. I wish I had cause to seek him there to oppose his hatred fully. Welcome home. Behold, these are the tribunes of the people, the tongues of the common mouth. I do despise them, for they do prank them in authority against all noble sufferance. Pass no further. What is that? It will be dangerous to go on mm. no further. What makes this change? The matter? Have he not passed the noble and the common? Cominius, no. Have I had children's voices? Tribunes, give way. He, he shall to the marketplace. The people are incensed against him. Stop, for all will fall and broil. Are these your herd? Must these have voices that can yield them now and straight disclaim their tongues? What are your offices? You being their mouths, why rule you not their teeth? Have you not set them on? Be calm. Be calm. It is a purpose thing and grows by plot to curb the will of the nobility. Suffer it and live with such as cannot rule nor ever will be ruled. Call it not a plot. The people cry you mocked them, and of late, when corn was given them gratis, you repined. Scandaled and scandaled the supplicants for the people, called them time pleasers, flatterers, foes to nobleness. Why this was known before? Not, not to them all. Have you informed them since? How? I, I inform them? You are like to do such business. Not unlike each way to better yours. Why then should I be consul? By on clouds, let me deserve as so ill as you, and make me your fellow tribune. You show too much of that for which the people stir. If you will pass to where you are bound, you must inquire your way, which you are out of with a gentler spirit, or never be so noble as a consul, nor yoke with him for tribune. Let's be calm. The people are abused. Set on. This paltering becomes not Rome, nor has Coriolanus deserved this so dishonored rub laid falsely in the plain way of his merit. Tell me of corn. This was my speech, and I will speak it again. Not now. Not now. Not in his heat, sir, now. Now, as I will live, I will. My nobler friends, I crave their pardons for the mutable rank-scented many, let them regard me as I do not flatter, and therein behold themselves. I say again, in soothing them, we nourish against our Senate the cockle of rebellion, insolence, sedition, which we ourselves have plowed for, sowed, and scattered, by mingling them with us, the honored number, who lack not virtue, no, nor power, but that which they have given to beggars. Well, no more. 
No more words, we beseech you. Oh, no more. As for my country, I have shed my blood, not fearing outward force, so shall my lungs coin words till their decay against those measles, which we disdain should tatter us, yet sought the very way to catch them. You speak of the people as if you were a god to punish, not a man of their infirmity. Twere well, we let the people know it. What? What? His collar? Collar? Were I as patient as the midnight sleep, by Jove, t'would be my mind. It is a mind that shall remain a poison where it is, not poison any further. Shall remain. Hear you this triton of the minnows. Mark you his absolute shall. Was from the cannon. Shall. Oh, good, but most unwise patricians. Why, you grave but reckless senders, have you thus given Hydra here to choose an officer that with his peremptory shell, being but the horn and noise of the monsters, wants not spirit to say he'll turn your current in a ditch and make your channel his? If he have power, then veil your ignorance. If none, awake your dangerous lenity. If you are learned, be not as common fools. If you are not, let them have cushions by you. You are plebeians, if they be senators, and they are no less. When both your voices blended, the greatest taste most pellets theirs. They choose their magistrate, such a one as he who puts his shell, his popular shell, against a graver bench than ever frown in Greece. By Jove himself, it makes the consuls base. And my soul aches to know when two authorities are up, neither supreme, how soon confusion may enter twixt the gap of both and take the one by the other. Well, on to the marketplace. Whoever gave that counsel to give forth the corn of the storehouse gratis as was used sometime in Greece. Well, well, no more of that. Though there the people had more absolute power, I say they nourished disobedience, fed the ruin of the state. <clears throat> Why shall the people give one that speaks thus their voice? Mm. I'll give my reasons, more worthier than their voices. They know the corn was not our recompense, resting well assured that never did service for it. Being pressed to the war, even when the navel of the state was touched, they would not thread the gates. This kind of service did not deserve corn gratis. Being in the war, their mutinies and revolts, wherein they showed most valor, spoke not for them. The accusation which they have often made against the Senate, all cause unborn, could never be the motive of our so frank donation. Well, what then? How shall this bizen multitude digest the Senate's courtesy? Let deeds express what's likes to be their words. We did request it. We are the greater pole, and in true fear they gave us our demands. Thus we debase the nature of our seats and make the rabble call our cares fears, which will in time break up the locks of the Senate and bring in the crows to peck the eagles. Come, enough. Enough with overmeasure. Oh, take more. What may be sworn by both divine and human seal, what I end withal. This double worship, where one part does disdain with cause, the other insult without all reason, where gentry, title, wisdom cannot conclude but by the yea and no of common ignorance. It must omit real necessities and give the while to unstable slightness. Purpose so barred it follows, nothing is done to purpose. Therefore, beseech you, you that will be less fearful than discreet, that love the fundamental part of state more than you doubt the change on it, that prefer a noble life before a long, and wish to jump a body with a dangerous physic that's sure of death without it, at once pluck out the multitudinous tongue. Let them not lick the sweet which is their poison. 
your dishonor mangles true judgment and bereaves the state of that integrity which should become it, not having the power to do the good it would for the in which doth control it. Has said enough. Has spoken like a traitor and shall answer as traitors do. Thou wretch, despite overwhelm thee. What should the people do with these bold tribunes on whom depending their obedience fails to the greater bench and a rebellion when what's not meet, what must be was law, then were they chosen. In a better hour, let what is meet be said it must be meet and throw their power in the dust. Manifest treason. This a consul. Mm, no. <laughs> the ediles, ho! Enter an edile. Let him be apprehended. Go, call the people. Exit edile. In whose name myself attach thee, as a traitor is innovator, a foe to the public wheel. Obey, I charge thee, and follow to thine answer. Hence, old goat, senators, and will surety him. Aged sir, hands off. Hence, rotten thing, or shall I shake thy bones out of thy garments? Help ye, citizens. Enter a rabble of citizens, plebeian, <laughs> with idiles. On both sides, more respect. He is he that would take from you all your power. Seize him, idiles. Down, Down with him! him. Down with him, Sicilian, yeah. Brutus, yeah. Corey, and his Coriolanus, What is about to be? I am out of breath. Confusions near. I cannot speak. You tribunes to the people. Coriolanus, patience. Speak, good Sicinius. Hear me, people. Peace. Let's hear our tribute. Peace. Speak. Oh, I will speak. You are at point to lose your liberties. Marcius would have all from you. Marcius, whom late you have named for consul. Fie, fie, fie. This is the way to kindle, not quench. To unbuild the city and to lay all flat. A word. Is the city but the people? True. True. The people, the people are, are the city. The city. Mm-hmm. By the consent yeah. of all, we establish the people's magistrates. You, you so remain. remain. And so, so you. And so are like to do. That is the way to lay the city flat. To bring the roof to the foundation and bury all which yet distinctly ranges in heaps and piles of ruin. This deserves death. Or let us stand to our authority, or let us lose it. We do here pronounce upon the part of the people in whose power we were elected theirs, Martius is worthy of present death. Therefore lay hold of him. Bear him to the rock Tarpeian, and from thence into destruction cast him. Ediles, seize him. Eels, Martius, Eels, Hear me one word, beseech you, tribunes, hear me but a word. Peace. Peace. Be that you seem truly your country's friend, and temperately mm-hmm. proceed to what you would thus violently redress. 
Sir, those cold ways that seem like prudent helps are very poisonous, where the disease is violent. Lay hands upon him and bear him to the rock. No, I'll die here. There's some among you have beheld me fighting. Come, try upon yourselves what you have seen me. Down with that sword. Tribunes, withdraw a while. Lay hands upon him. Help, Martius, help. You that be noble, help him. Young and old. Down with him. In this mutiny, the tribunes, Ediles, and the people are beat in. Go, get you to your house. Be gone away. All will be naught else. Get you gone. Stand fast. We have as many friends as enemies. Shall it be put to that? Ah, the gods forbid. I prithee, noble noble friend. Uh, Home to thy house, leave us to cure this cause. For tis a sore upon us. You cannot tent yourself. Be gone, beseech you. Come, sir, along with us. I would they were barbarians, as they are, though in Rome littered. Not Romans, as they are not, though calved in the porch of the capital. Be gone. Put not your worthy rage into your tongue. One time we'll owe another. On fair ground, I could be 40 of them. I could myself take up a brace or the best of them. Yea, the two tribunes. But now tis odds beyond arithmetic, and manhood is called foolery when it stands against a falling fabric. Will you hence, before the tag return, whose rage doth rend like interrupted waters and o'erbear what they are used to bear? Pray you be gone. I'll try whether my old wit be in, re- uh, in request with those that have but little. This must be patched with cloth of any color. Nay, come away. Exit Coriolanus, Cominius, and others. Uh, uh, this man has marred his fortune. His nature is too noble for the world. He would not flatter Neptune for his trident, or Jove for his power to thunder. His heart's his mouth. What his breast forges, that his tongue must vent. And being angry, does forget that ever he heard the name of death. A noise within. No, here's goodly work. I would they were abed. I would they were in Tiber. What the vengeance? Could he not speak him fair? <sighs> well, he is with the rabble. Rabble indeed. Where is this viper that would depopulate the city and be every man himself? You worthy tribune. He shall be thrown down the Tarpeian rock with rigorous hands. He hath resisted law. And therefore law shall scorn him further trial than the severity of the public power, which he so sets at naught. He shall well know the noble tribunes are the people's mouths, and we mm-hmm. their hands. Mm-hmm. He shall. He shall. He shall. Sir. Sir. Peace. Do not cry havoc where you should 
hunt but modest warrant. Sir, how comest that you have hope to make this rescue? Hear me speak, as I do know the consul's worthiness, so can I name his faults. Consul? What consul? The consul Coriolanus. He consul. Oh, no, 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 And yours, good people, I may be heard, I would crave a word or two. The witch shall turn you to no further harm and so much loss of time. Speak briefly then, for we are preemptory to dispatch this viperous traitor to eject him hence, where but one danger and to keep him here our certain death. Therefore it is decreed. He dies tonight. Now the gods forbid that our renowned Rome, whose gratitude towards her deserved children is enrolled in Jove's own book like an unnatural dam, should now eat up her own. Oh, he's a disease that must be cut away. Oh, he's a limb that has but a disease, mortal to cut it off, to cure it easy. What has he done to Rome that's worthy death, killing our enemies, the blood he hath lost? which I dare vouch is more than he hath by man an ounce. He's dropped it for his country, and what is left to lose it by his country? Were to us all, but do it and suffer it a brand to the end of the world. This is clean camp. Merely awry. When he did love his country, it honored him. The service of the foot being once gangrened is not then respected for what it before it was. We'll hear no more. Pursue him to his house and pluck him thence, lest his infection, being of catching nature, spread further. One word more. One word. This tiger-footed rage, when it shall find the harm of unscant swiftness, will too late tie leaden pounds to his heels. Proceed by process, lest parties, as he is beloved, break out and sack great Rome with Romans. If it were so... What do ye talk? Have we not had a taste of his obedience? Our Adelies smoked? Ourselves resisted? Come. Consider this. He has been bred in the wars since he could draw a sword and is ill-schooled in bolted language. Meal and brand together he throws without distinction. Give me leave. I'll go to him and undertake to bring him where he shall answer by a lawful form in peace to his utmost peril. Noble tribunes, it is the humane way. The other course will prove too bloody, and the end of it unknown to the beginning. Noble Menenius, be you then as the people's officer. Masters, lay down your weapons. Go not home. Meet on the marketplace. We'll attend you there. Where, if you bring not Marcius, we'll proceed in our first way. I'll bring him to you. Let me desire your company. He must come, or what is worst will follow. Pray you. Let's do him. Exent. Scene two of room in Coriolanus's house. Enter Coriolanus with patricians. Let them puff all about mine ears. Present me death on the wheel, or at wild horse's heels, or pile ten hills on the Tarpeian rock that the precipitation might down stretch below the beam of sight. Yet will I still be thus to them. 
Rude or no boy? I muse my mother does not approve me further, who was wont to call them woolen vassals, things created to buy and sell with groats, to show bare heads in congregations, to yawn, be still, and wonder when one but of my ordinance stood up to speak of, uh, to speak of peace or war. Enter Volumnia. I talk of you. Why did you wish me milder? Would you have me be false to my nature? Rather say I play the man I am? Oh, sir, 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 I would have had you put your power well on before you had worn it out. Let go. You might have been enough the man you are, with strivings less to be so lesser, had been the thwartings of your dispositions. If you had not showed them how you were disposed, ere they lacked power to cross you. Let them hang. Aye, and burn too. And your Menenius and Senators. Come, come, you have been too rough, something too rough. You must return and mend it. There's no remedy unless by not so doing our good city cleave in the midst and perish. Pray be counseled. I have a heart as little apt as yours, but yet a brain that leads my use of anger to better vantage. Well said, noble woman. Before he should thus stoop to the herd, but that the violent fit of the time craves it as physic for the whole state, I would put mine armor on, which I can scarcely bear. What must I do? Return to the tribunes. Well, what then? What then? Repent what you have spoke. For them? I cannot do it to the gods. Must I then do it to them? You are too absolute. Though therein you can never be too noble, but when extremities speak... I have heard you say honor and policy like unsevered friends in the war do grow together. Grant that, and then tell me, in peace, what each of them by the other lose, that they combine not there. Tush, tush. A good demand. If it be honor in your wars to seem the same you are not, which for, the be- your, for your best ends, you adopt your policy. How is it less or worse that it shall hold companionship in peace with honor as in war? Since that to both, it stands in like request. Why force you this? Because that now it lies you on to speak to the people, not by your own instruction, nor by the matter which your heart prompts you, but with such words that are but rooted in your tongue, though but bastards and syllables of no allowance to your bosom's truth. Now, this no more dishonors you at all than to take in a town with gentle words, which else would be put, put you from your fortune, and the hazard of much blood. I would dissemble with my nature where my fortunes and my friends at stake required. I should do so in honor. I am in this, your wife, your son, these senators, the nobles, and you will rather show our general louts how you can frown than spend a fawn upon them. For the inheritance of their loves and safeguard of what that might want might ruin. Noble lady, come, go with us. Speak fair. You may salve so, not what is dangerous present, but the loss of what is past. I prithee now, my son, go to them with this bonnet in thine hand, and thus far having stretched it, here be with them, thy knee bussing the stones, for in such business action is eloquence, 
and the eye of the ignorant more learned than the ears waving thy hand, which often thus correcting thy stout heart, now humble as the ripest mulberry that will not hold the handling. Or say to them, thou art their soldier, and being bred in broils, hast not the soft way which thou dost confess were fit for thee to use as they to claim. In asking their good loves, but thou wilt frame thyself, forsooth, hereafter theirs, so far as thou hast power and person. This but done, even as she speaks, why their hearts were yours, for they have pardons being asked as free as words to little purpose. Prithee now, go and be ruled. Although I know thou hadst rather follow thine enemy in a fiery gulf than flatter him in a bower. Here's Cominius. I have been in the marketplace, and, sir, tis fit you make strong party or defend yourself by calmness or by absence. All's in anger. Only fair speech. I think twill serve if he can thereto frame his spirit. He must and will. Prithee now, say you will and go about it. Must I go show them my unbarbed sconce? Must I with base tongue give my noble heart a lie that it must bear? Well, I will do it. Yet were there but this single plot to lose, this mold of Martius, they to dust should grind it and throw it against the wind. To the marketplace, you have put me now to such a part which never I shall discharge to the life. Come, come, we'll prompt you. I prithee now, sweet son, as thou had said, my praises made thee first a soldier. So, to have my praise for this, perform a part thou hast not done before. Well, I must do it. Away my disposition, and possess me some harlot spirit. My throat of war be turned, which quired with my drum into a pipe small as an eunuch's, or the virgin voice that babies lulls asleep. The smile of knaves tend in my cheeks, and schoolboys' tears take up the glasses of my sight. A beggar's tongue make motion through my lips, and my armed knees who bow but in my stirrup, bent like this that hath received an alms. I will not do it, lest I surcease to honor mine own truth, and but by my body's action teach my mind a most inherent baseness. At thy choice, then, to beg of thee... It is my more dishonor than thou of them. Come all to ruin. Let thy mother rather feel thy pride than fear thy dangerous stoutness. For I mock at death with as big a heart as thou. Do as thou list, thy valiantness was mine. Thou sucked it from me, but owe oh, thy pride thyself. Pray, be content. Mother, I am going to the marketplace. Tried me no more. I'll mountbank their loves, cog their hearts from them, and come home, beloved of all the trades in Rome. Look, uh, I am going. Commend me to my wife. I'll return consul, or never trust to what my tongue can do in the way of flattery further. Do your will. Exit. Away. The tribune do attend you. Arm yourself to answer mildly, for they are prepared with accusations, as I hear, 
more strong than our opponent yet. The word is mildly. Pray you, let us go. Let them accuse me by invention. I will answer in mine honor. Aye, but mildly. Well, mildly be it then. Mildly. Exent. Scene three, the same, the forum. Enter Sicinius and Brutus. In this point, charge him home that he affects tyrannical power. If he evade us there, enforce him with his envy to the people, and that the spoil got on the antitates was ne'er distributed. Enter an edile. What? Will he come? He's coming. How accompanied? With old Menenius and those senators that always favored him. Have you a catalog of all the voices that we have procured sit down by the pole? I have. Tis ready. Mm, have you collected them by tribes? I have. Assemble presently the people hither. And when they bear me, say, It shall be so, in the right and strength of the commons, be it either for death or fine or banishment, then let them, if I say fine, cry fine. If death, cry death, etc. Insisting on the old prerogative and power in the truth of the cause, etc., etc. I shall inform them. And when such time they have begun to cry, let them not cease, but with a din confused, enforce the present execution of what we chance to sentence. Oh, yeah, that's very good. Very well. Uh, make them be strong and ready for this hint, when we shall have to give it to them. Hmm? Go about it. Exit Edile. Yeah, okay. Uh, Put him to collar straight. He hath been used ever to conquer and to have his worth of contradiction. Mm. Being once chafed, he cannot be reined against to temperance. Then he speaks what's in his heart, and that is there which looks with us, with us to break his neck. Well, here he comes. Enter Coriolanus, Menenius, and Cominius with senators and patricians. Only, I do beseech you. I as an ostler that for the poorest peace will bear the knave by the volume. The honored gods keep Rome in safety and the chairs of justice applied with worthy man. Plant love amongst throng our large temples with shows of peace and not our streets with war. Amen. Amen. A noble wish. Re-enter Edile with citizens. Draw near, ye people. List to our tribunes. Audience. Peace, I say. First, to hear me speak. Well, say, peace, ho. Shall I be charged nor f- no further than this present? Must all determine here. I do demand, if you submit you to the people's voices, allow their officers and are content to suffer lawful censure for such faults as shall be proved upon you. I am content. Hmm? Lo, citizens, he says he is content. The warlike service he has done, consider, think upon the wounds his body bears, which show like graves of the holy churchyard. Scratches with briars, scars to move laughter only. Well, we consider further that when he speaks not like a citizen, you find him like a soldier. 
Do not take his rougher accents for malicious sounds, but as I say, such as become a soldier rather than envy you. Well, well, no more. What is the matter that being passed for consul with full voice, I am so dishonored that the very hour you take it off again? Answer to us. Say then, tis true, I ought so. We charge you that you have contrived to take from Rome all seasoned office and to wind yourself into a powerful tyrannical for which you are a traitor to the people. How? Traitor? Nay, temperately your promise. The fires in the lowest hell fold in the people. Call me their traitor? Thou injurious tribune. Within thine eyes sat 20,000 deaths. In thy hand clutched as many millions. In thy lying tongue both numbers. I would say thou liest unto thee with a voice as free as I do pray the gods. Mark you this people. To the rock. To the rock with him. Mm. Rock with him. Rock. To the rock. To the rock. To the rock. Peace. Nice hat. Thank you. We need not put new matter to this charge. What you have seen him do and heard him speak, beating your officers, cursing yourselves, opposing laws with strokes and here defying those whose great power must try him. Even this so criminal and in such capital kind deserves the extremist death. But since he hath served well for Rome... What do you prate of service? I talk of that, that know it. You! Is this the promise that you made your mother? No, I pray you. I know no further. Let them pronounce the steep Tarpian death. Vagabond exile, raying pent to linger, but with it, with a grain a day, I would not buy their mercy at the price of one fair word, nor check my courage for th- what they can give to habits with saying good morrow. For that he has, as much as in him lies, from time to time envied against the people, seeking means to pluck away their power as now at last given hostile strokes, and that not in the presence of dreaded justice, but on the ministers that do distribute it. In the name of the people, and in the power of us, the tribunes, we, even from this instant, banish him, our city, in peril of precipitation from off the rock Tarpeian, nevermore to enter Rome's gates in the people's name. I say, it shall be so. It shall be so. It let him away. It shall be so. Can my common friends hear me? He's sentenced. No more hearings. Let me speak. I have been consul and can show for Rome her enemies' marks upon me. I do love my country's good with a respect more tender, more holy and profound than mine own life. My dear wife's estimate, her wounds increase and treasure of my loins than if I would speak. 
We know your drift. Speak what? There is no more to be said, but he is banished as enemy to the people and his country. It shall be so. It shall be so. It shall be so. You common cry of curse. Whose breath I hate as Rico the rotten fence. Whose loves I prize as the dead carcasses of unburied men that do corrupt my air. I banish you. And here remain with your uncertainty. Let every feeble rumor shake your hearts. Your enemies with nodding of their plumes ban you into despair. Have the power still to banish your defenders. To let length your ignorance, which finds not till it feels, making not reservation of yourselves, still your own foes. Deliver you as most abated captives to some nation that won you without blows. Despising for you the city, thus I turn my back. There is a world elsewhere. Exempt Coriolanus, Cominius, Menenius, Senators, and Patricians. The people's enemy is gone. It's gone! It's gone! Shouting and throwing up their caps. (laughs) Go see him out at gates and follow him as he hath followed you with all despite. Give him deserved vexation. Let a guard attend us through the city. Come, come, come. come. The gods of our noble tribunes. Come. 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 The gates. You damn skippy. Okay, exit. (laughs) Act 4, scene 1, Rome, before a gate of the city. Enter Coriolanus, Volumnia, Virgilia, Menenius, Cominius, and young nobility of Rome. Come, leave your tears. A brief farewell. The beast with many heads butts me away. Nay, mother, where is your ancient courage? You were used to say extremity was the trier of spirits, that common chances common men could bear. That when the sea was calm, all boats alike showed mastership and floating. Fortune's blows when most struck home, being gentle wounded, craves a noble cunning. You were used to load me with precepts that would make invincible the heart that conned them. Oh, heavens. Oh, heavens. Nay, prithee, woman. Now the red pestilence strike all trades in Rome, and occupations perish. What? 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 I shall be loved when I am lacked. Nay, mother, resume that spirit when you were wont to say, if you had been the wife of Hercules, six of his labors you'd have done and saved your husband so much sweat. Cominius, droop not. Adieu. Farewell, my wife, my mother. I'll do well yet. Thou old and true Menenius, thy tears are salter than a younger man's and venomous to thine eyes. My sometime general, I have seen thee stem, and thou hast oft beheld heart-hardening spectacles. Tell these sad women tis fond to wail inevitable strokes, as tis to laugh at them. My mother, you wot well my hazards still have been your solace, and believe it not lightly. Though I go alone, like to a lonely dragon that his fen makes feared and talked of more than seen, your son will or exceed the common or be caught with cautelous baits of practice. My first son, whither wilt thou go? Take good Cominius with thee a while, 
determine on some course more than a wild exposture to each chance that starts in the way before thee. Oh, the gods. I'll follow thee a month. Devise with thee where thou shalt rest, that thou mayst hear of us and we of thee. So if the time trust forth a cause for thy repeal, we shall not send o'er the vast world to seek a single man and lose advantage which doth ever cool in the absence of the meter. Fare ye well. Thou hast years upon thee, and thou art too full of the war's surfeits to go rove with one that's yet unbruised. Bring me but out at gate. Come, my sweet wife, my dearest mother, and my friends of noble touch, when I am forth, bid me farewell and smile. I pray you, come. While I remain above the ground, you shall hear from me still, and never of me aught but what is like me formerly. That's worthily as any ear can hear. Come, let's not weep. If I could shake off but one seven years from these old arms and legs, by the good gods, I'd with thee every foot. Give me thy hand. Come. Exent. Scene two, the same, a street near the gate. Enters Asinius, Brutus, and Edile. Mm. Bid them all home. He's gone and will know further. The nobility are vexed whom we have sided in his behalf. Now we have shown our power. Let us seem humbler after it is done than when it was a doing. I'll bid them home. Say their great enemy is gone and they stand in their ancient strength. Dismiss them home. Here comes his mother. Oh, let's not meet her. Why? They say she's mad. (laughs) They have taken note of us. Uh, Keep on your way. Enter Volemnia, Virgilia, and Menenius. Oh, you're well met. The hoarded plague of the gods requite your love. Peace, peace, be not so loud. If that I could for weeping, you should hear. Nay, you shall hear some. Will you be gone? You shall stay too. I would I had the power to say so to my husband. Are you mankind? Ah, hey, fool, is that a shame? Note but this fool, was not a man my father? Hadst thou fox ship to banish him that struck more blows for Rome than thou hast spoken words? Oh, blessed heavens. <laughs> more noble blows than ever, thou wise words. And for Rome's good, I'll tell thee what, yet go. Nay, but thou shalt stay too. I would my son were in Arabia and thy tribe before him, his good sword in his hand. What then? What then? He'll make an end of thy posterity. Bastards and all. Good man, the wounds that he does bear for Rome. Come, come, peace. I would he had continued to his country as he began, and not unknit himself the noble knot he made. I would he had. I would he had. "'Twas you incensed the rabble, cats that can judge as filthily as his worth, "'as I can of those mysteries which heaven will not have earth to know. "'Pray, let us go. "'Now pray, sir, get you gone. "'You have done a brave deed. "'Ere you go, hear this. "'As far as doth the capital exceed the meanest house in Rome, "'so far, my son, this lady's husband here, this do you see, whom you have banished.' does exceed you all. Well, well, we'll leave you. Why stay we to be baited with one that wants her wits? 
take my prayers with you. Exempt tribunes. I would the gods had nothing else to do but to confirm my curses. Could I meet him but once a day, it would unclog my heart of what lies heavy to it. You have told them home, and by my troth, you have cause. You'll sup with me? Anger's my meat. I sup upon myself, and so shall starve with feeding. Come, let's go. Leave this faint puling and lament as I do, in anger, Juno-like. Come, come, come. Fie, fie, fie. Exunt. Scene three, a highway between Rome and Antium. Enter Roman and a Volsi meeting. I know you well, sir. And you know me. Your name, I think, is Adrian. It is so, sir. Truly, I have forgot you. I am a Roman, and my services are, as you are, against them. Know you me yet? Nicanor? No. The same, sir! You had more beard when I saw you last, but your favor is well approved by your tongue. What's the news in Rome? I have a note from the Volscian state to find you out there. You have well saved me a day's journey. There have been in Rome strange insurrections. The people against the senators, partitions, and nobles. Have been? Is it ended then? Our state thinks not so. They are in a most warlike preparation and hope to come upon them in the heat of their division. Oh. The main blaze of it is past, but a small thing would make it flame again, for the nobles receive so to heart the banishment of that worthy Coriolanus that they are in a ripe aptness to take all power from the people and to pluck from them their tribunes forever. This lies glowing, I can tell you, and is almost mature for the violent breaking out. Coriolanus banished. Banished, sir. You will be welcome with this intelligence, Nicanor. The day serves well for them now. I have heard it said that the fittest time to corrupt a man's wife is when she's fallen out with her husband. Your noble Tullus Ophidius will appear well in these wars, his great opposer, Coriolanus, being now in no request of his country. Cannot choose. I am most fortunate thus accidentally to encounter you. You have ended my business, and I will merrily accompany you home. I shall, between this and supper, tell you most strange things from Rome, all tending to the good of their adversaries. Have you an army ready? say you. A most royal one. The centurions and their charge is distinctly billeted, already in the entertainment, and to be on foot at an hour's warning. I am joyful to hear of their readiness, and am the man, I think, that shall set them in present action. So, sir, heartily well met, and most glad of your company. You take my part from me, sir. I have the most cause to be glad of yours. Well, let us go together, man! <laughs> Scene four, Antium before Aphidius's house. Enter Coriolanus in mean apparel, disguised and muffled. A goodly city is this Antium. City tis that I that made thy widows. Many an heir of these fair edifices for my wars have I heard groan and drop then know me not, lest that thy wives with spits and boys with stones and puny battle slay me. 
enter a citizen. Save you, sir. And you? Uh, direct me, if it be your will, where great Ophidius lies. Is he in Antium? He is, and feast the noble of the state at his house this night. Uh, which is his house, beseech you? This, here before you. Thank you, sir. Farewell. Exit, citizen. Oh, world. Thy slippery turns. Friends now fast sworn, whose double bosoms seem to wear one heart, whose house, whose bed, whose meal and exercise are still together, who twin as twere in love unseparable, shall within this hour on a dissension of a doit break out to bitterest enmity. So fellest foes whose passions and whose plots have broke their sleep to take the one the other by some chance some trick not worth an egg shall grow dear friends and interjoin their issues. So with me, my birthplace hate I, and my love's upon this enemy town. I'll enter. If he slay me, he does fair justice. If he give me way, I'll do his country service. Exit. Scene five, the same, Hall and Aphidius's house. Music within, enter a serving man. Wine, wine, wine. What service is here? I think our fellows are asleep. Exit. Enter a second serving man. Where's Codis? My master calls for him. Codis! Exit. Enter Coriolanus. A goodly house. The feast smells well, but I appear not like a guest. Re-enter the first serving man. What would you have, friend? Whence are you? Here's no place for you. Pray, go to the door. I have deserved no better entertainment than being Coriolanus. Re-enter second serving man. Whence are you, sir? Has the porter his eyes and his head that he gives his entrance to such companions? Pray, get you out. Away. Away, good you away. (laughs) Now thou art troublesome. Are you so brave? I'll have you talked with anon. Enter a third serving man. The first meets him. I'm lost. No. What fellow's this? <laughs> a strange one as ever I looked on. I cannot get him out of the house. Pretty call my master to him. Retires. What have you to do here, fellow? Pray you, avoid the house. Let me but stand. I will not hurt your hearth. What are you? A gentleman. <clears throat> a marvelous poor one. True. So I am. Pray you, poor gentleman, take up some other station. Here's no place for you. Pray you, avoid, come. Follow your function. Go and batten on cold bits. Pushes him away. What? Will you not, prithee, tell my master what a strange guest he has here? And I shall. Exit. Where dwellest thou? Under the canopy. Under the canopy? Aye. Where's that? In the city of kites and crows. In the city of kites and crows. What an ass it is! Then thou dwellest with the Dawes, too. No, I serve not thy master. How, oh, sir? Do you meddle with my master? Aye. "'Tis an honester service than to meddle with thy mistress. "'Thou pratest and pratest. "'Serve with thy trencher. Hence!' (laughs) Beats him away. Exit third serving man. Enter Aphidius with the second serving man. 
Where is this fellow? Here, sir. I'd have beaten him like a dog, but for disturbing the lords within. Retires. Whence comest thou? What, what wouldst thou? Thy name? Why speaks not? Speak, man. What's thy name? If tellest, not yet thou knowest me, and seeing me dost not think me for the man I am, necessity commands me to name myself. What is thy name? A name unmusical to the Volscian ears, and harsh in sound to thine. Ugh, say, what's thy name? Thou hast a grim appearance, and thy face bears a command in it. Though thy tackle's torn, thou showest a noble vessel. What's thy name? Prepare thy brow to frown. Knowest thou me yet? I knowest thou not. Thy name? My name is Caius Martius, who hath done to thee particularly, and to all the Volskis, great hurt and mischief. There to witness may my surname Coriolanus. The painful service, the extreme dangers, and the drops of blood shed for my thankless country are requited but with that surname. A good memory and witness of the malice and displeasure with thou should spare me. Only that name remains, the cruelty and envy of the people. Permitted by our dastard nobles, who have all forsook me, hath devoured the rest, and suffered me by the voice of slaves to be whooped out of Rome. Now this extremity hath brought me to thy hearth, not out of hope, mistake me not, to save my life. For if I had feared death of all the men in the world, I would have voided thee. But in mere spite, to be full quit of those my banishers, stand I before thee here. Then if thou hast a hark of reek in thee that wilt ven- revenge thine own particular wrongs and stop those maims of shame seen through thy country, speed thee straight and make my misery serve thy turn. So use it that my revengeful services may prove as benefits to thee. For I will fight against my cankered country with the spleen of all the underfiends. But if so be thou darest not this, and that to prove more fortunes thou art tired, then in a word I also am longer to live most weary, and present my throat to thee and to thy ancient malice, which not to cut would show thee but a fool, since I have ever followed thee with hate, drawn tons of blood out of thy country's breast, and cannot live but to thy shame, unless it be to do thee service. Oh, Marcius! Each word! Thou hast spoke, hath weeded from my heart of ancient envy. If Jupiter should from yon cloud speak divine things and say, "'Tis true, I not believe them more than thee. All noble, Marcius, let me twine mine arms around that body, where against my grained ash an hundred times hath broke and scarred the moon with splinters. Here, I clip the anvil of my sword and do contest as hotly and as nobly with thy love as ever in ambitious strength I did contend against thy valor. Know thou first, I loved the maid I married. Never man sighed truer breath, but that I see thee here, thou noble thing. More dances my rapt heart than when I first wedded mistress saw beside my stretched bestride my threshold. Why, thou Mars, I tell thee, we have power on foot, and I had purpose once more to hew thy target from thy brawn, or lose mine arm for it. Thou hast beat me out twelve several times, 
and I have nightly since dreamt of encounters twixt myself and thee. <laughs> we have been down together in my sleep, unbuckling hounds, fisting each other's throat, and waked half dead with nothing. Worthy Martius, had we no quarrel else to roam, but that thou art thence banished, we would muster all from twelve to seventy, and pouring war into the bowels of ungrateful Rome like a bold flood or bear. Oh, come, go in and take our friendly senators by the hands who now are here, taking their leaves of me who am prepared against your territories, though not for Rome itself. You bless me, gods. Therefore, most absolute, sir, if thou wilt have the leading of thine own revenges, take the one half of my commission and set down, as best thou art experienced, since thou knowest the country's strength and weakness, thine own ways, whether to knock against the gates of Rome or rudely visit them in parts remote, to fright them, ere destroy, but Come in, let me command thee first of those that shall say yea to thy desires. A thousand welcomes. Add more a friend than e'er an enemy. Yet, Marcius, that was much. Your hand, most welcome. Exent Coriolanus and Aphidius, the two serving men come forward. Here's a strange alteration. By my hand. I thought to have struck on him with a cudgel and... Yet my mind gave me his clothes made of false report of him. What an arm he has. He turned me about with his finger and thumb as one would set up a top. Nay, I knew, I knew by his face that there was something in him. He had, sir, a kind of face, methought. Cannot tell how to term it. He he had so, looking as it were, would I were hanged, but I thought there was more in him than I could think. So did I. So did I. I'll be sworn he is simply the rarest man in the world. I think he is, but a greater soldier than he you walk on. Oh, my master? Nay, it's no matter for that. Worth six on him. Nay, not so neither, but I take him to be the greater soldier. Faith, look you, one cannot tell how to say that for the defense of a town. Our general is excellent. Aye, and for an assault, too. We enter third serving man. Slaves, I can tell you news. News, you rascals. What? What? Let's partake! Let's partake! Let's partake. Would not be a Roman of all nations. I had as leave to be a condemned man. Wherefore? Wherefore? There's he that was wont to thwack our general, Cassius Martin. Why do you say thwack our general? Do not say thwack our general but he was always good enough for him. Well, we are fellows and friends. He was ever too hard for him. I've heard him say so himself. He was too hard for him directly, to say the troth on it. Before Coriola, he 
scotched him and notched him like a carbon of dew. And he had been cannibally given. He might have broiled and eaten him too. Uh, but, but more of thy news. Why? He is so made on here within, as if he were son and heir to Mars. Sat at upper end of the table. No question asked him by any of the senators, but they stand bald before him. Our general himself makes a mistress of him, sanctifies himself with his hand, and turns up the white of the eye to his discourse. But bottom of the news is that our general is cut in the middle and but one half of what he was yesterday. For the other half has half by the evil entreaty, yes, entreaty, and grant of the whole table. He'll go, he says, and sal the porter of Rome, gates by the ears. He will mow all down before him and leave his passage cold. And he's, he's like to do it as any man I can imagine. Do it. He will do it. For, look you, sir, he has many friends as enemies. Which friends, sir, as it were, durst not. Look you, sir, show themselves, as we term it, his friends, whilst he's in directitude. Directitude! What's that? But when they shall see, sir, his crest up again, and the man in blood, they will out their burrows, like conies after rain, and revel all with him. But when goes this forward? Tomorrow. Today. Present. You shall have the drums struck up this afternoon. Tis, as it were, a parcel of their feast, and to be executed ere they wipe their lips. Why? Then we shall have a stirring world again. This piece is nothing but to rust iron, increase tailors, and breed ballad makers. Let me have war say I. It exceeds peace as far as day does night. It's sprightly, waking, audible, and full of vent. Peace is a very apoplexy, lethargy, mold, deaf, sleepy, insensible, a getter of more bastard children than war is the destroyer of men. Tis so. And as war, in some sort, may be said to be a ravisher, so it cannot be denied, but peace is a great maker of cuckolds. I and it makes men hate one another. Reason. Because they then less need one another. The war is for my money. I hope to see Romans as cheap as Volskians. They are rising. They are rising. In. 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 Exent. Scene six. Rome, a public place. Enter Sicinius and Brutus. Sorry, I was muted. You were muted, but it's cool. Ah, That's why I love you. We hear not of him. Neither need we fear him. His remedies are tame in the present peace. In quietness of the people, which before were in wild hurry, 
Here do we make his friends blush that the world goes well, who rather had, though they themselves did suffer by it. Behold, dissentious numbers pestering streets, and see our tradesmen within their shops, and going about their functions of friendly. We sit to it in good time. Into oh. Menenius. Oh, is this Menenius? Oh, tis he, tis he. Oh, he has grown most kind of late. Hmm. Uh, hail, hail, sir. Hail <clears throat> to you both. Oh, your Coriolanus is not much missed, but with his friends. The Commonwealth do stand, and so would do, were he more angry at it. All's well, and might have been much better if he could have temporized. Where is he? Hear you? Nay, I hear nothing. His mother and his wife hear nothing from him. That sucks. Enter three or four citizens. The gods God preserve, preserve you, you both. God den our neighbors. God den to you all. God den to you all. God den. God our wives and children on our knees are bound to pray for you both. Live and thrive. Farewell, kind neighbors. Oh. We wish Coriolanus had loved you as we did. Now the gods keep you. God keep you. Farewell. Farewell. This is a happier and more comely time than when these fellows ran about the streets, crying confusion. Caius Martius was a worthy officer in the war, but insolent, mm-hmm. overcome with pride, ambitious past all thinking, self-loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and affecting one sole throne without assistance. I think not so. We should by this do all <laughs> our lamentation. If he had gone forth, consul found it so. Uh, the gods have well prevented it, and Rome sits safe and still without him. Mm-hmm. Enter an edile. Holy shit. Worthy tribunes, there is a slave whom we have put in prison. Reports the Volsians with two several powers are entered in the Roman territories, and with the deepest malice of the war destroy what lies before him. Tis Ophidius, who hearing of our Martius banishment, thrust forth his horn again into this world, which were in shelled when Martius stood for Rome, and durst not once peep out. Hey, come, what talk you of Martius? Go see this rumor whipped. It cannot be the Volsces dare break with us. Cannot be. We have record that very well it can, and three examples of the like have been within my age. But reason with the fellow before you punish him. Where he heard this, lest you shall chance to whip your information and beat the messenger who bids beware of what is to be dreaded. Tell not me. I know this cannot be. Not possible. Uh-uh. Enter a messenger. The nobles in great earnestness are going all to the Senate House. Some news is come that turns their countenances. Tis this slave. Go whip him for the people's eyes. He's 
his raising nothing but his report. Yes, worthy sir, the slave's report is seconded and more more fearful is delivered. What more fearful? It is spoke freely out of many mouths. How probable I do not know that Martius joined with Aphidius leads a power against Rome and vows revenge as spacious as between the youngest and oldest thing? This is most likely. Raised only that the weaker sort may wish a good Martius home again. <laughs> the very trick on it. This is unlikely. He and Aphidius can no more atone than violent contrariety. Enter a second messenger. Oh, God. You are sent for to the Senate, a fearful army led by Caius Martius, associated with Aphidius, rages upon our territories and have already or borne their way, consumed with fire, and took what lay before them. Enter Cominius. Oh, you have made good work. What news? What news? You have hoped to ravish your own daughters and melt the city leads with your pit upon your pates to see your wives dishonored to your noses. What's the news? What's the news? Your temples burned in their cement and your franchises whereon you stood confined into an augur's bore. Pray you, your news. You have made fair work, I fear me. Pray your news. If Marcia should be joined with the Volscians... He is their god. He leads them like a thing made by some other deity than nature that shapes men better. And they follow him against us brats with no less confidence than boys pursuing summer butterflies or butchers killing flies. You have made good work, you and your apron men. You that stood so up much on the voice of occupation and the breath of garlic eaters. He will shake your Rome about your ears. As Hercules did shake down mellow fruit, you have made fair work. But is this true, sir? Aye. And you'll look pale before you find it other. All the regions do smilingly revolt, and who resist are mocked for valiant ignorance and perish constant fools. Who least can blame him? Your enemies and his find something in him. We are all undone, unless the noble men have mercy. Who shall ask it? The tribunes cannot do it for shame. The people deserve such pity of him as the wolf does of the shepherds. For his best friends, if they should say he could do wrong, They charged him even as those should do that that had deserved his hate, and therein showed like enemies. Tis true. If he were putting to my house the brand that should consume it, I have not the face to say, beseech you, cease. You have made fair hands, you and your crafts. You have crafted fair. You have brought a trembling upon Rome, Mm. such as was never so incapable of help. Oh, say nothing about it. No, we, we did brought. not. We, we didn't. How? No, not, uh, yeah. no. How? Was it we? We loved him, but like beasts and cowardly nobles gave way unto your clusters who did hoot him out of the city. But I fear they'll roar him in again. 
Tullus Ophidius, the second name of men, obeys his points as if he were his officer. Desperation is all the policy, strength, and defense that Rome can make against them. Enter a troop of citizens. Here come the clusters, and is Ophidius with him? You are they that made the air unwholesome when you cast your stinking, greasy caps and hooting at Coriolanus' exile. Now he's coming, and not a hair upon a soldier's head which will not prove a whip. As many coxcombs as you threw caps up will he tumble down and pay you for your voices. It is no matter if he could burn us all into one coal. We have deserved it. We hear fearful news. We hear fearful news. When I said banish him, I said twas pity. And so did I. And so did I. And to say the truth, so did very many of us Mm -hmm. that we did. Mm -hmm. We did for the best. And though we willingly consented to his banishment, yet it was against our will. That's Mm -hmm. right. Things influences. You have made good work, you and your cry shells to the capital. Oh, I. What else? Exent Cominius and Menenius. <laughs> Go, masters. Get you home. Be, be not dismayed. These are a side that will be glad to have this true which they seem to fear. Go home. And show no sign of fear. Oh, the gods be good to us. Come, masters, let's home. I, I ever said we were in the wrong when we banished him. And so did we all. But come, let's home. Exempt citizens. Um, I do not like this news. Nor I. Nor I. Uh, Let's to the capital. Would half my wealth would buy this for a lie? Pray, let us go. Exit. Scene seven. A camp at a small distance from Rome. Enter Aphidius and his lieutenant. Do they still fly to the Roman? I do not know what witchcraft's in him, but your soldiers use him as the grace for meat, their talk at table, and their thanks at end. And... You are darkened in this action, sir, even by your own. I cannot help it now. Unless, by using means, I lame the foot of our design. He bears himself more proudly, or even to my person, than I thought he would when when first I did embrace him. Yet his nature... That's no changeling, and I must excuse what cannot be amended. Yet I wish, sir, I mean for your particular, you had not joined in commission with him, but either had borne the action of yourself or else to him had left it solely. Oof, I understand thee well, and be thou sure, when he shall come to his account, he knows not what I can urge against him. Although, it seems, and so he thinks, and is no less apparent to the vulgar eye that he bears all things fairly, and shows good husbandry 
for the Volsian state, fights dragon-like, and does achieve as soon as draw his sword. Yet he hath left undone that which shall break his neck or hazard mine whenever we come to account. Sir, I beseech you, think you he'll carry Rome? All places yield to him ere he sits down, and the nobility of Rome are his. The senators and patricians love him too. The tribunes are no soldiers, and their people will be as rash in the repeal as hasty to expel him thence. I think he'll be to Rome as the osprey to the fish, who takes it by the sovereignty of nature. First, he was a noble servant to them, but he could not carry his honors even, whether it was pride, which out of daily fortune ever taints the happy man, whether defunct of judgment, defect of judgment, to fail in the deposing of those chances which he was lord of, or whether nature, not to be other than one thing, not moving from the cask to the cushion, but commanding peace, even with the same austerity and garb as he controlled the war, but one of these, as he hath spices of them all, not all, for I dare so far free him, made him feared, so hated, and so banished, but he has merit to choke it in the utterance. So our virtues lie in the interpretation of the time. And power, unto itself most commendable, hath not a tomb so evident as a chair to extol what it hath done. One fire drives out one fire. One nail, one nail. Rights by rights falter, strengths by strengths do fail. Come, let's away. When Caius, Rome is thine. Thou art poorest of all, and shortly thou art mine. Act 5, scene 1. Rome, a public place. Enter Menenius, Cominius, Sicinius, Brutus, and others. No, I'll not go. You hear what he hath said, which was sometime his general, who loved him in a most dear particular. He called me father. Of what of that? Go, you that banished him. A mile before his tent fall down and knee the way into his mercy. Nay, if he coyed to hear Cominius speak, I'll keep it home. Could not seem to know. Do you hear? At one time he did call me by my name. I urged our old acquaintance and the drops that we have bled together. Coriolanus he would not answer to. Or bad all names. He was a kind of nothing, titles, till he had forged himself a name of the fire of burning Rome. Why so? You have made good work. A pair of tribunes that have racked for Rome to make coals cheap, a noble memory. I minded him how royal it was to pardon when it was less expected. He replied, it was a bare petition of a state to one whom they punished. Very well. Could he say less? I offered to awaken his regard for private friends. His answer to me was, he could not stay to pick them in a pile of noisome, musty chat. He said twas folly 
nor one poor grain of two to leave unburnt and still to nose the events. For one poor grain or two, I am one of those. His mother, wife, his child, and this brave fellow too, we are the grains. You are the musty chaff, and you are smelt above the moon. We must be burnt for you. <clears throat> nay, nay, pray be patient. <laughs> if you refuse your aid in this so never needed help, yet do not abrades with our distress. But sure, if you would be your country's pleader, your good tongue, more than the instant army we can make, might stop our countrymen. No, I'll not meddle. Pray you go to him! What should I do? Only make trial what your love can do for Rome towards Martius. Well, and say that Martius returned me as Cominius is returned. Unheard, what then? But as a discontented friend, grief-shot with his unkindness? Say it be so. Yet your goodwill must have that thanks from Rome after the measure as you intended well. I'll undertake it. I think you'll hear me. Yet to bite his lip and hum a good Cominius much unhearts me. He was not taken well. He had not dined. The veins unfilled, our blood is cold, and then we pout upon the morning, are unapt to give or to forgive. But when we have stuffed these and these conveyances of our blood with wine and feeding, we have suppler souls than in our priest-like fasts. Therefore I'll watch him till he be dieted to my request, and then I'll set upon him. You know the very road into his kindness and cannot lose your way. Good faith, I'll prove him. Speed how it will. I shall ere long have knowledge of my success. I'll never hear him. Not? Tell you, he does sit in gold, his eye red as would burn Rome, and his injury the jailer to his pity. I kneeled before him. Twas very faintly he said, Rise, dismissed me thus with his speechless hand. What he would do, he sent in writing after me. What he would not, bound with an oath to yield to his conditions, so that all hope is vain. Unless his noble mother and his wife, who, as I fear, mean to solicit him for mercy to his country, Therefore, let's hence, and with our fair entreaties, haste them on. Exit. Scene two, entrance of the Volscian camp near before Rome. Two sentinels on guard entered to them Menenius. Say, whence are you? Stand and go back. You guard-like men, tis well, but by your leave, I am an officer of state, and come to speak with Coriolanus. From whence? From Rome. You may not pass. You must return. Our general will hear no more from thence. You'll see your Rome embraced with fire before you'll speak with Coriolanus. Good, my friends. If you have heard your general talk of Rome and of his friends there, 
It is lots to blanks. My name hath touched your ears. It is Menenius. Be it so. Go back. The virtue of your name is not here passable. I tell thee, fellow, the general is my lover. I have been the book of his good acts, whence men have read his name unparalleled, happily amplified, for I have ever verified my friends, of whom he's chief, with all the sighs that verity would, without lapsing, suffer. Nay, sometimes, like to a bull upon a subtle ground, I have tumbled past this throw, and in his praise have almost stamped the leasing. Therefore, fellow, I must have leave to pass. Faith, sir, if you had told as many lies in his behalf as you have uttered words in your own, you should not pass here. No, though it were as virtuous to lie as to live chastely. Therefore, go back. Prithee, fellow, remember my name is Menenius, always factionary on the party of your general. Whatsoever you have been his liar as you say you have i am one that telling true under him must say you cannot pass therefore go back has he dined canst thou tell for i would not speak with him till after dinner you are a roman are you i am as thy general is then you should hate rome as he does Can you, when you have pushed out your gates, the very defender of them, and in a violent popular ignorance, given your enemy your shield, think to front his revenges with the easy groans of old women, the virginal palms of your daughters, or with the palsied intercession of such a decayed dotant that you seem to be? Can you think to blow out the intended fire your city is ready to flame in with such weak breath as this? No. You are deceived. Therefore, go back to Rome and prepare for your execution. You are condemned. Our general has sworn you out of reprieve and pardon. Sirrah, if thy captain knew I were here, he would use me with estimation. Come, my captain knows you not. I mean thy general. My general cares not for you. Back, I say. Go, lest I let forth your half-pint of blood. Back. That's the utmost of your having. Back. Nay, but fellow. Fellow. Enter Coriolanus and Aphidius. What's the matter? Now, you companion, I'll say an errand for you. You shall know now that I am in estimation. You shall perceive that a jack garden cannot office me from my son Coriolanus. Yes, but by my entertainment, if thou stand'st not of the state of hanging, or of some death more long in spectatorship and crueler in suffering, behold, now presently, and swoon for what's to come upon thee. The glorious gods sit in hourly synod about thy particular prosperity, and love thee no worse than thy old father Menenius does. Oh, my son, my son, thou art preparing fire for us. Look thee. Here's water to quench it. I was hardly moved to come to thee, but being assured none but myself could move thee, I have been blown out of your gates with sighs and conjure thee to pardon Rome and thy petitionary countrymen. The good gods assuage thy wrath and turn the dregs of it upon this varlet here, this who, like a block, hath denied my access to thee. 
Away. Oh. Away. Wife, mother, child, I know not. My affairs are servanted to others. Though I owe my revenge properly, my remission lies in bullshin breasts. That we have been familiar in great forgetfulness shall poison rather than pity note how much. Therefore, be gone. Mine ears against your suits are stronger than your gates against my force. Yet for I love thee, take this along. I writ it for thy sake. Gives a letter. And would have rent it. Another word, Menenius, I will not hear thee speak. This man, Ophidius, was my beloved in Rome, yet thou beholdest. You keep a constant temper. Exunt Coriolanus and Ophidius. Now, sir, your name, is your name Menenius? Menenius? Tis a spell, you see, of much power. You know the way home again. Do you hear how we are shent for keeping your greatness back? What cause do you think I have to swoon? I neither care for the world nor your general. For such things as you, I can scarce think there's any you're so slight. He that hath a will to die by himself fears it not from another. Let your general do his worst. For you, be that you are long, and your misery increase with your age. I say to you, as I was said to, away. A noble fellow, I warned him. The worthy fellow is our general. He's the rock, the oak, not to be wind-shaken. Exempt. Scene three, the tent of Coriolanus. Enter Coriolanus, Aphidius, and others. We will, before the walls of Rome tomorrow, set down our host. My partner in this action, you must report to the Volscian lords how plainly I have borne this business. Only their ends you have respected. Stopped your ears against the general suit of Rome. Never admitted a private whisper. No, not with such friends that thought them sure of you. This last old man, whom with a cracked heart I have sent to Rome, loved me above the measure of a father. Nay, godded me, indeed. Their latest refuge was to send him, for whose old love I have, though I showed sourly to him, once more offered in the first conditions, which they did refuse and cannot now accept. To grace him only that thought he could do more, a very little I have yielded to. Fresh embassies and suits, nor from the state nor private friends, hereafter will I lend ear to. Ha, what shout is this? Shout within. Shall I be tempted to infringe my vow in the same time tis made? I will not. Enter in mourning habits Virgilia Volumnia, leading young Martius, Valeria, and attendants. <sighs> my wife comes foremost. Then the honored mold wherein this trunk was framed, and in her hand the grandchild to her blood. But out, affection, all bond and privilege of nature, break. Let it be virtuous to be obstinate. What is that curtsy worth? Or those doves' eyes which can make gods forsworn? I melt and am not of stronger earth than others. My mother bows as if Olympus to a molehill should in supplication nod. And my young boy hath an aspect of intercession which great nature cries, deny not. Let the Volskis plough Rome and harrow Italy. I'll never be such a gosling to obey instinct but stand as if a 
a man were author of himself and knew no other kin. My lord and husband. These eyes are not the same I wore in Rome. The sorrow that delivers us thus change makes you think so. Like a dull actor now, I... I have forgot my part. And I am out, even to a full disgrace. Best of my flesh, forgive my tyranny, but do not say for that, forgive our Romans. Oh, a kiss long as my exile, sweet as my revenge. Now by the jealous queen of heaven, that kiss I carried from thee, dear, and my true lip hath virgined it ever since. You gods, I prate, and the most noble mother of the world leave unsaluted. Sink my knee in the earth. Of thy deep duty more impressions show than that of common sons. Oh, stand up blessed. Whilst with no softer cushion than the flint, I kneel before thee. And unproperly show duty as mistaken all this while between the child and parent. What's this? Your knees to me? To your corrected son? Then let the pebbles on the hungry beach fill up the stars. Then let the mutinous wind strike the proud cedars against the fiery sun, murdering impossibility to make what cannot be slight work. Thou art my warrior. I hope to frame thee. Do you know this lady? The noble sister of Publicola, the moon of Rome, chaste as the icicle that's curdied by the frost from purest snow and hangs on Diane's temple, dear Valeria. This is a poor epitome of yours, which by the interpretation of full time may show like all yourself. The god of soldiers, with the consent of supreme Jove, inform thy thoughts with nobleness, that thou mayest prove to shame invulnerable, and stick the wars like a great sea mark, steadying every flaw and saving those that I thee. Your Nisera. That's my brave boy. Even he, your wife, this lady, and myself are suitors to you. I beseech you, peace. Or, if you'll ask, remember this before, the thing I have forsworn to grant may never be held by you, denials. Do not bid me dismiss my soldiers or capitulate again with Rome's mechanics. Tell me not wherein I seem unnatural. Desire not to ally my my rages and revenges with your colder reasons. Oh, no more, no more. You have said you will not grant us anything, for we have nothing else to ask but that which you deny already. Yet we will ask that if you fail in our request, the blame may hang upon your hardness. Therefore, hear us. Ophidius and Ubolsky's mark, for we'll hear not from Rome in private. Should we be silent and not speak? Our raiment and state of bodies would bray what life we have led since thy exile. Think with thyself, how more unfortunate than all living women are with come, we come here hither, since that thy sight, which should make our eyes flow with joy, hearts dance with comforts, constrains them weep and shake with fear and sorrow, making the mother, wife, and child to see the son, the husband, and the father tearing his country's bowels out. And to pour we thine enmities, most capital, thou barst us our prayers to the gods, which is a comfort that all but we enjoy. For how can we, alas, how can we for our country pray? 
whereto we are bound together with thy victory, whereto we are bound. Alack, or we must lose the country, our dear nurse, or else thy person, our comfort in the country. We must find an evident calamity. But we had our wish, which side should win. For either thou must, as a foreign recreant, be led with manacles throughout our streets, or else triumphantly tread on thy country's ruin, and bear the palm for having bravely shed thy wife and children's blood. For myself, son, I purpose not to wait on fortune till these wars determine. If I cannot persuade thee rather to show a noble grace to both parts, and seek the end of one, thou shalt no sooner march to assault thy country than to tread. Trust to it, thou shalt not on thy mother's womb that brought thee to this world. I and mine, that brought you forth this boy to keep your name living to time. Shall not tread on me. I'll run away till I am bigger, but, but then I'll fight. Not of a woman's tenderness to be requires, nor child, nor woman's face to see. I have sat too long. Nay, go not from us thus. If it were so that our request did tend to save the Romans, thereby to destroy the Volsces whom you serve, you might condemn us as poisonous of your honor. No, our suit is that you reconcile them. While the Volsces may say to this mercy we have showed, the Romans, this we received... And each in either side gives the all hail thee and cried, Be blessed for making up this peace. Thou knowest, great son, the end of the war is uncertain, but this certain, that if thou conquer Rome, the benefit which thou shalt thereby reap is such a name whose reputation will be dogged with curses, whose chronicle thus writ, The man was noble, but with his last attempt he wiped it out. Destroyed his country, and his name remains to the ensuing age aboard. Speak to me, son. Thou hast affected the fine strains of honor to imitate the graces of the gods, to tear with thunder the wide cheeks of the air, and yet to charge thy sulfur with a bolt that shall but rive an oak. Why dost not speak? Thinks thou it honorable for a noble man still to remember wrongs? Daughter, speak you. He cares not for your weeping. Speak you, boy. Perhaps that childishness will move him more than can our reasons. There's no man in the world more bound to his mother, yet here he lets me prate like one in the stocks. Thou hast never in thy life shown thy dear mother any courtesy when she, poor hen, fond of no second brood, has clucked thee to the wars and safely home, loaded with honor. Say my request unjust, and spurn me back. But if it be not so, thou art not honest, and the gods will plague thee, that thou restraint'st from me the duty which to a mother part belongs. He turns away. Down, ladies, let us shame him with our knees. To his surname Coriolanus longs more pride than pity to our prayers. Down, an end. This is the last. So we will home to Rome and die among our neighbors. Nay, behold, this boy that cannot tell what he would have but kneels and holds up bands for fellowship does reason our petition with more strength than thou hast to deny it. 
Come, let us go. This fellow had a volson to a mother. His wife is in Coriolai, and his child like him bechance. Yet give us our dispatch. I am hushed until our city be afire, and then I'll speak a little. He holds her by the hand, silent. Oh, mother. Mother. What have you done? Behold, the heavens do ope. The gods look down, and this unnatural scene they laugh at. Mother. Mother. Uh, You have won a happy victory to Rome, but for your son, believe it. Oh, believe it, most dangerously, you have with him prevailed, if not most mortal, to him. But let it come. Ophidius, though I cannot make true wars, I'll frame convenient peace. Now, good Ophidius, were you in my stead, would you have heard a mother less, or granted less, Ophidius? I was moved with all. I dare be sworn you were. And, sir, it is no little thing to make mine eyes to sweat compassion. But, good sir, what peace you'll make, advise me. For my part, I'll not to Rome. I'll back with you and pray you stand to me in this cause. Mother, wife. I am glad thou hast set thy mercy and thine honor at difference in thee. Out of that I'll work myself a former fortune. Ladies make signs to Coriolanus. I, by and by, but we will drink together, and you shall bear a better witness back than words, which we, on like conditions, will have countersealed. Come, enter with us. Ladies, you deserve to have a temple built to you. All the swords in Italy and her confederate arms could not have made this peace. Excellent. Scene four, Rome, a public place. Enter Menenius and Sicinius. See you, yon coin of the capital? Yon cornerstone? Uh, to why? What of that? If it be possible for you to displace it with your little finger, there is some hope the ladies of Rome, especially his mother, may prevail oh. with him. But I say there is no hope in it. Our throats are sentenced and stay upon execution. Is it possible that so short a time can alter the condition of a man? There is difference between a grub and a butterfly, yet your butterfly was a grub. This Martius has grown from man to dragon. He has wings. He's more than a creeping thing. He loved his mother dearly. So did he me. And he no more remembers his mother now than an eight-year-old horse. Oh. The tartness of his face sours ripe grapes. When he walks, he moves like an engine, and the ground shrinks before his treading. He is able to pierce a corslet with his eyes, talks like a knell, and his hum is a battery. He sits in his state as a thing made for Alexander. What he bids be done is finished with his bidding. He wants nothing of a god but eternity and heaven to throne in. Yes, mercy, if you report him truly. I paint him in the character. Mark what mercy his mother shall bring from him. There is no more mercy in him than there is milk in a male tiger. That shall our poor city find, and all of this is long of you. The gods be good unto us. No, in such a case the gods will not be good unto us. When we banished him, we respected not them, and he returning to break our necks, they respect not us. 
Enter a messenger. Sir, if you'd save your life, fly to your house. The plebeians have got your fellow tribune and hail him up and down, all swearing. If the Roman ladies bring not comfort home, they'll give him death by inches. Enter a second messenger. What's the news? Good news. Good news. The ladies have prevailed. The Volskians are dislodged and Martius gone. A merrier day did never yet greet Rome. No, not the expulsion of the Turkians. Uno, Ali. Oh, friend, art thou certain this is true? Is it most certain? As certain as I know the sun is fire. Where have you lurked that you may doubt of it? Ne'er thought an arch so hurried the blown tide as the recomforted through the gates. Why, why hark you? The trumpets, sackbuts, spaltries, and fifes, tabers and cymbals, and the shouting Romans make the sun dance. Hark you! This is good news. Oh. I will go meet the ladies. This volumnia is worth of consuls, senators, patricians, a city full of tribunes such as you, a sea and land full. You have prayed well today. This morning for 10,000 of your throats I'd not have given a doit. Hark, how they joy. Oh, yeah. Bill with shouts. First, the gods bless you for your tidings. Next, accept my thankfulness. Sir, we have all great cause to give great thanks. Uh, They are near the city? Almost at point to enter. We will meet them. And... Help the joy. Ixent. Scene five, the same, a street near the gate. Enters two senators with Volumnia, Virgilia, Valeria, and company. Passing over the stage, followed by patricians and others. Behold our patroness, the life of Rome. Call all your tribes together. Praise the gods and make triumphant fires. Strew flowers before them. Unshout the noise that banished Marcus of that banished Martius. Repeal him with the welcome of his mother. Cry, welcome, ladies. Welcome. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. welcome. Welcome, ladies. Hey, girls. Hey. Thanks around the world. <laughs> Scene six. <laughs> Antium, a public place. Enter Telesophidius with attendance. Go tell the lords of the city, I am here. Deliver them this paper. Having read it, bid them repair to the marketplace, where I, even in theirs and in the common ears, will vouch the truth of it. Him I accuse, the city ports by this hath entered and intends to appear before the people, hoping to purge herself with words. Dispatch. Exent attendance under three or four conspirators of Aphidius's faction. <laughs> Most welcome! How is it with our general? Even so, as with a man by his own alms empoisoned and with his charity slain. Most noble sir, if you do hold the same intent wherein you wished us parties, we'll deliver you of, our, of, of your great danger. Sir, I cannot tell. We must proceed as we do find the people. The people will remain uncertain whilst twixt you there's a difference. But the fall of either makes the survivor heir of all. I know it, 
and my pretext to strike at him admits a good construction. I raised him, and I pawned mine honor for his truth, who being so heightened, he watered his new plants with dews of flattery, seducing so my friends. And to this end, he bowed his nature, never before but to be rough, unswayable, and free. Sir, his stoutness, when he did stand for consul, which he lost by lack of stooping. That would I have spoke of. That would I have spoke of. Being banished for it, he came unto mine hearth, presented to my knife his throat, and I took him, made him joint servant with me, gave him way in all his own desires. Nay, let him choose out of my files, his projects to accomplish. My best and freshest men served his designments in mine own person. Hope to reap the fame where he did end all his. And took some pride, which, you know, to do myself this wrong, till at last I seemed his follower, not partner, and he waged me with his countenance as if I had been mercenary. So he did, my lord. The army marveled at it. And in the last, when he had carried Rome and that we looked for no less spoil than glory. There was it in which my sinews shall be stretched upon him at a few drops of women's room, which are as cheap as lies. He sold the blood and labor of our great action. Therefore, he shall die. And I'll renew me in his fall. But hark! Drums and trumpets sound with great shouts of the people. Your native town, you entered like a post and had no welcomes home, but he returned, splitting the air with noise. And patient fools, whose children he hath slain, their base throats tear with giving him glory. Therefore, at your vantage, ere he express himself or move the people with what he would say, let him feel your sword which we will second. When he lies along after your way, his tail pronounced shall bury his reasons with his body. Say no more. Here comes the lords. Enter the lords of the city. You are most welcome home. (laughs) I've not deserved it, but worthy lords, have you with heed perused what I've written you? We have, and grieve to hear it. What faults he made before the last, I think, might have found easy finds, but there to end where he was to begin and give away the benefit of our levies, answering us with our own charge, making a treaty where there was a yielding. This admits no excuse. He approaches. You shall hear him. Enter Coriolanus marching with German colors, commoners being with him. Hail, lords, I am returned your soldier, no more infected with my country's love than when I parted hence, but still subsisting under your great command. You are to know that prosperously I have attempted and with bloody passage led your wars even to the gates of Rome. Our spoils we have brought home do more than counterpoise a full third part the charges of the action. We have made peace with no less honor to the Antiates and shame to the Romans. And we here deliver, subscribed by the consuls and patricians, together with the seal of the Senate, what we have compounded on. 
Read it not, noble lords, but tell the traitor in the highest degree he hath abused your powers. Traitor? How now? Aye, traitor. Marcius. Martius? Aye, Marcius. Caius Marcius. Dost thou think I'll grace thee with that robbery, thy stolen name, Coriolanus and Coralie? You lords and heads of state, perfidiously, he has betrayed your business and given up for certain drops of salt your city, Rome. I say your city to his wife and mother, breaking his oath and resolution like a twist of rotten silk, never admitting counsel or the war, but at his nurse's tears, he whined and roared away your victory that pages blushed at him and men of heart looked wandering at each other. Hearest thou, Mars? Name not the god, thou boy of tears. Ah, no more. No Measureless more. liar. Thou <laughs> hast made my heart too great for what contains it. Boy, oh slave, pardon me, lords, this is the first time that ever I was forced to scold. Your judgments, my grave lords, must give this cur the lie, and his own notion who wears my stripes impressed upon him that must bear my beating to his grave shall join to thrust the lie unto him. Peace, both, and hear me speak. <laughs> Cut me to pieces, Volskis. Men and lads, stain all your edges on me. Boy, false hound, if you have writ your annals true, tis there that like an eagle in a dovecote, I fluttered your volsions in Coriolis. Alone, I did it. Boy. Why? <laughs> Noble lords, will you be put in mind of his blind fortune, which was your shame by this unholy braggart for your own eyes and ears. Let, Let him, him die for it. Let him die for it. Tear him to pieces. Tear him to pieces. Do it perfectly. He killed my son. My cousin, my It took our jobs. Peace ho. You no turn me into a new. Peace ho. I got better. Peace. No outrage. Peace. The man is noble. And his fame folds in this orb of the earth. His last offenses to us shall have judicious hearing. Stand up, Phineas, and trouble not, trouble not the peace. Oh, that I had him with six Ophidiuses or more, his tribe, to use my lawful sword. Insolent villain! Kill! 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 My noble masters, let me speak. Hear me. Hear me speak. I'm just oh. going to talk anyway. Oh, tell us. Thou hast done a deed whereat valor shall weep. Tread not upon him, masters. I'll be quiet. Put up your swords. My lords, when you shall know, as in this rage provoked by him, you cannot 
the great danger which this man's life did owe you, you'll rejoice that he is thus cut off. Please deliver your honors to call me to your Senate. I'll deliver myself, your loyal servant, or endure your heaviest censure. Bear from hence his body and mourn you for him. Let him be regarded as the most noble course that ever Harold did follow to his urn. His own impatience takes from Alphidius a great part of blame. Let's make the best of it. Huh. My rage is gone. And I am struck with sorrow. Take him up. Help. Three of the chiefest soldiers. Oh, I'll be one. Beat thou the drum. That's it. Speak mournfully. Trail your steel pikes. Though in this city he hath widowed and unchilded many a one, which to this hour bewail the injury, yet he shall have a noble memory. Assist! Exempt, bearing the body of Coriolanus, a dead march sounded.